Greetings, friends. Welcome back to a special edition of Critically Acclaimed, where uh, very short bits of good taste and very short bits of bad taste run into one another. Um, thank you. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic of utterly no renown, and with me as always is the rather renowned and stirringly intelligent William Bibiani. William, introduce yourself. How can I compete with that glorious introduction? Well, from the it, wonderfully handsome Whitney Seibel. It'll be in your own voice, making it that oh. much more impressive. Hi, I'm Bibbs. <laughs> Everyone calls me Bibbs. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. And uh, yeah, this is a very special episode of Critically Acclaimed. Uh, every year we try to make a point to review every single one of the 15 Oscar-nominated short films, documentaries, mm-hmm. live action, and animation. Uh, and uh, we love this show we love being able to do this program because these are i remember when i was a kid watching the academy awards and you watch the academy awards and like you recognize that movie Mm. make a mental note see that movie and then the shorts come up and you're like i don't know any of those yeah and And uh, that's a bummer because they're really interesting filmmaking and the short in in previous years like before uh the shift we'll say Mm. uh the shorts were weren't really widely available to the public they Mm. were shown at like festivals or given Mm. to academy members Sometimes they were attached at the head of a feature, but yeah, the public really well, didn't get to see the shorts. Well, and it's often. worth remembering that uh, uh, in, uh, when the short categories, the short categories have been part of the Oscars since more or less the beginning, and that's because in the early days of cinema, hmm. shorts aired in theaters constantly. There were a oh, yeah, lot of yeah. shorts. The shorts were not unknown entities. The shorts yeah, were not we, uh, obscure films that people didn't see. They played in between and in front of yeah, major th- movies. Throughout, um, I don't know when this particular practice began, the whole A feature, B feature mm. uh, movie theater. But movie theaters would have two features. They have the A feature, which mm. was like the big studio feature. Then at the B feature, it's usually you know, cheaper schlock, where we yeah. get the term B movie from. Uh, and... In between, there would be a newsreel. You know, there was mm. weren't TVs in homes yet, so you'd get a newsreel. You'd get a, a cartoon or two. You'd yeah. get a live action short. Sometimes a documentary uh, short. Yeah, a little, little yeah. documentary. Like it would be this full program, and it would just run constantly. There weren't posted show times. Yeah, uh, that's also where we get the term. This is where we came in, uh, because that's where you enter the theater. Somewhere in the middle of the movie, yeah. it would loop back around, and you see it again. The, the idea of seeing a movie and only going when the movie begins, and then leaving when it ends. Yeah, yeah is not something that used to be considered the norm it yeah, used that, that to, you know, started, luxury, sure, started but... to change around the time psycho came out that's yeah. that's when uh alfred hitchcock invented the sort of the gimmick come in at the beginning yeah uh but yeah throughout our childhoods uh theaters didn't do that anymore mm-hmm. finding these shorts was impossible it's incredibly baffling that the academy award telecast is trying to like shove the shorts off to the side it's one of the ca- three of the categories that they're not going to uh telecast mm-hmm. uh because they're more available now than they've ever been. True. Uh, thanks to uh, a company called Shorts TV and Magnolia Pictures, uh, which is Mark Cuban's company. Yeah. Uh, they have been distributing them, not just in theaters, but you can just rent them on iTunes now. And yeah. have been able to for the, the last decade. And indeed, a lot of the nominees of the last quite a few years mm-hmm. have also been available on Netflix. Netflix has mm-hmm. been producing documentary short subjects, yeah, animated so, shorts. Uh, at least two or three of the documentaries yeah. and at least one of the live action shorts are just on Netflix now. Yeah. If you have a Netflix subscription, you can just watch them. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're, they're more available now yeah. and yet uh, they're being considered more and more disposable. Like who and, sees those? Everybody sees them now. They're pretty common. In case you haven't been paying attention and good for you, by the way, it's not, it's not the most important thing in the world. There's a lot going on right now, but uh, the mm. Academy Awards have decided in an effort to shorten the ceremony to 
Which, by the way, who cares? And an effort to show why. Like, yeah. Because the, one, the this... one thing the one thing people who love the Academy Awards hate is seeing all the it's awards like given out of it, my right? Yeah. What am I doing? But well, uh, I, I don't in know any who case... This, like, one imaginary superhero the, fan that they're trying to court is. There's, there's but, yeah. one... There's, like, a whole... like Apparently, there's, like, 20 million people out there who have told the Academy, listen, we swear, as long as it's only three hours long, we'll come back. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. Like, Anything the, else, as long as it's three hours... That's, that's yeah. the only thing we care about. I'm like, no, it's... It's online. People are recording it. The clips mm. are going to be available. It's not live award ceremonies are down across the board. It doesn't anyway. But one of the things they've decided to do in order to to spruce things up is uh, they're going to take some of the categories they have deemed more disposable, and they're going to give them out before the Oscars, like while everyone's like piling into the house, basically. Uh-huh. And uh, they're going to give them out before the awards begin. They're going to show the acceptance speeches. During the show, but the the winners will be revealed on social media beforehand. So there's no mm. grandiosity to it. There's no there's no wonder. Oh uh, there's no there's not a lot of respect. And indeed, one of the categories uh, that's going to be uh, uh, shown off camera or, or given off camera and then recorded mm. and played later is best sound. Now, last year, the Academy decided to finally combine the two sound design categories: mm. sound and sound effects editing. Uh, into one category, even though they're two different disciplines. And apparently the sound branch of the Academy only agreed to this on one stipulation, which is we will let you combine the two sound categories, provided you make sure you don't move the sound categories off camera. Yeah, we, we want to be recognized. Yeah. And, and the next year uh, after, after they arranged this, they basically backstabbed the whole sound department. <laughs> it's really messed up. Um, this it's been a like the last five years have been a complete debacle in this like trying to alter the show to get it anyway we're off in the weeds we're, we're off in the, let's, but, let's but, talk but, about but the shorts the reason why I bring that up is because there's an extra special reason why we really want to make sure we highlight the short subjects because they're the categories that are going to get less attention this year mm-hmm. and they deserve it I, I'm not a fan of every single short that we have here but they're all worthy filmmaking and they all deserve conversation. So yeah. where would you like to begin? Which, what category well, would you like to begin? Well, I have a strategy when it mm. comes to the shorts. Um, yeah. in, in Typically speaking, and throughout and, you know, previous years have borne this out, the short categories are pretty harrowing. Yeah. They deal with really ag- aggressively emotional subject matter. Oftentimes there's a Holocaust documentary. Uh, uh, We've had like, years where there were multiple movies about end of life care. Uh, like it's, th- it, there's you know, wartime, wartime documentaries where there's like corpses on camera. Yeah. Uh, movies, of, movies that may be very powerful, but might ruin your day. That yeah. Kind like, of thing. like they, they are in, incredibly powerful and they're about it. Very important topics. And as such, a lot of people are saying, you know, I, I have a Friday night free. I don't want to watch the the Holocaust documentary. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little bit of a tough sell if you're just looking to sort of uh, re- un- unwind, yeah. you know, yeah. watch something at, at the end of a day. Um, uh, as such, I always go hardest first. Yeah, start the, with the documentary. The documentaries yeah. are typically the hardest, and yeah. and, and that's also, not and that's not an insult. It just no, means no. that they're they take they're an emotional labor. They, they take yeah, they take a lot of a lot out of me, and I want to you know start with that yeah. and. Um, and they're also, they tend to be the longest category. The, uh, mm. I think the Academy defines a short as anything under 40 minutes. Yeah, and, the, the Academy uh, defines a feature as anything that's 41 minutes or longer. Mm. 
Uh, so the majority of the documentaries tend to really push it and make it like 39 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. it's also the longest. So that's where I start. I start with the longest documentary. And I have taken your approach and I did the same thing this year. And I was pleasantly surprised to mm. discover that this was not a very bleak year for documentary shorts. No, uh, it's actually a very surprised too. It's uh, actually a somewhat uplifting year for yeah, documentary um, shorts, all things considered. That said, let's, the, the longest short that I started with was lead me home. You want to go, so you, you don't want to go alphabetically, you just want to go this random order. I guess we can do alphabetically. So let's do the documentaries first. Let's do the documentaries I, I guess, first. Uh, I guess um, Audible, Audible, not to, to be mixed up with audible.com. Yeah. Um, Audible is uh, the first of the documentary shorts, and it is about uh, Maryland, uh, the Maryland School for the Deaf, mm-hmm. uh, particularly their football team, but also just about the student body in general. Yeah. Uh, it um, follows like this group of students uh, and how they have like the winningest football team of all time. Yeah. And at the beginning of the film, they've lost their first game in a long, long time. Yeah. Like the very and, first game, like and this, years. And this is incredibly yeah. dispiriting to the student body. And this has kind of thrown a lot of them into a bit of an existential crisis as deaf students yeah. because they, they play uh, hearing schools. Often, they don't, they yeah. don't just play other deaf schools. Well, they actually, they talk about it a lot and they say, uh, um, it's actually difficult for them sometimes to schedule matches against schools mm. with hearing students because they don't like losing yeah. at all, <laughs> let alone against uh, students who they might they, consider they per- in their, in their hubris yeah, like, to be yeah. disadvantaged. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's hard for them to book those games. Uh, so this is all leading up to a big match against a school where which mm. is not for the deaf. Um, this is a sports movie. This is a sports documentary. This is a sports documentary about a team that should be the overdogs because they've got this incredible winning record. Uh-huh. But because of that loss and because of uh, the fact that they are all, you know, they're they're all working with a disability and they're all trying to find their way and find their life. Uh, they're finding love and they're, mm-hmm. you know, um, working their way through college and everything or working their way up to college. Um this this ends up feeling like an underdog story anyway, mm. uh, and this is a gloriously photographed film. Like this yeah, looks they, like this looks like any professional sports movie mm, if it was, the, if they were like intended to shoot the, at night. Yeah, there's like yeah. slow motion shots yeah. and a lot of you know penetrating the lighting uh, is fantastic. Setups and everything. Yeah, yeah it, it looks epic. There, there's a lot of that Errol Morris stuff where yeah. they, there's clearly a lot of stuff that was staged. Mm. Um, not that they you're hiring actors or anything like that. Just you know like establishing shots and recreations and things that make it a little bit more arty. Well, also make uh, it clearer what's happening because yeah, yeah. in the middle of a football game, it may be difficult to get all the coverage you need to make sure it's entirely clear visually. Yeah, yeah. And only afterwards do you realize, Oh, I need a shot of the scoreboard. Like that might be, I, and again, I don't know how true that is, but that's kind of, it feels so clean that it, I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least a couple of pickups. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but uh, the football game is, like that's the center. That's sort of the basis on which the the film mm. is built. But I, I found I find the stuff in between the games to be the most interesting. Yeah. Sort of going into the personal lives of some of the students, uh, the romances of the students, uh, the uh, I, I, I hesitate to call it a cautionary tale, but uh, a, a fellow student of theirs who ended up leaving the Maryland School for the Deaf and going to a hearing school, mm-hmm. and. I'll just say the bad time they had there. Yeah, it's there's there there's some overcoming of tragedy. Yeah, there, yeah. Uh, so the, yeah. yeah, there's there's a, a tragedy of this sort of absent student, and uh, that that's sort of like the part that really sort of hit hit my heart the hardest. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't have that 
corny tale of overcoming. It's actually no, 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 very, no. very honest and emotional. No, no, it, it never feels phony. It never mm-hmm. feels... When I say it looks like a Hollywood production, I just mean it Visually, looks really yeah, nice, yeah. but like it doesn't feel hackneyed. It doesn't feel like it came from a screenwriting factory. But it's a reminder that the tales that we tell about sports, mm-hmm. uh, even the ones that are a little cliched, um, are familiar because mm-hmm. people use sports in their lives to build themselves up and uh, to to give themselves an outlet mm-hmm. for uh, many of the emotional things that are going on in their lives. And watching this play out in reality with such a really fascinating group of people mm-hmm. um, is honestly great. And I like this documentary a lot. I would recommend this documentary to anybody, even if people don't like sports. Mm-hmm. Um I, I was very, very fond of this uh, documentary, just overall. I think it's one of the better ones that, that came out this, that, that are in this batch. Yeah. And that's yeah. saying something, because it's actually a good batch of documentaries this yeah. year. Um, do you want to talk about the other short one, or are you going to go alphabetically? Let's go alphabetically. Right. Make, it, okay. make, make it simpler. A little cleaner. A little um, simpler. I guess alphabetically next, then, is, is Lead Me Home, what I was going to yeah. talk about, which uh, looks at San Francisco uh, and Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, the homelessness epidemic yep. in those cities. Um, homelessness has it it sort of reached crisis proportions all the way back in the 80s there was this big thing that happened when uh, President Reagan shut down a lot of mental hospitals right and a lot of the people who were staying in those mental hospitals had no place to go and uh, and they just started living on the streets there was Mm -hmm. just no place no no low cost housing option for them and Uh, the problem has only gotten worse over the years Uh, there's been very little like meaningful legislation to build mm. affordable housing in, yeah. in to actually, to actually take care of people who yeah. don't have housing. And what's, I think has become a th- an issue. And I know a lot of uh, legislation mm. uh, in terms of trying to not solve the problem, but to make the problem less visible and, and a lot and of ju- this and ju- just less visible and ju- specifically yeah. less visible. And a lot of this you'll watch like is a lot of this is coming from richer communities that don't want their property values to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is because be- things, other things are becoming more affordable. So rather than the homeless just s- sneaking off to the corners, people can have tents, inexpensive mm-hmm. tents yeah. and actually have some form of shelter and like, modest security and privacy and as a result you've got tented like Tent little communities un- under freeway overpasses under freeway and overpasses and, and we've had a few in our area uh and it's better than not having tents yeah. but it looks to other people like oh it's so bad and that's like well you know what's bad is they, being homeless yeah. and we should maybe give people homes but yeah. we don't want to do that. Yeah. They, people just want to like get rid of that yeah. problem so that they don't have to look at it. But because of the almost, it, it reminded me a little bit of the of the um, sort of the shanty towns that would come oh, up yeah, in like the, the depression. Like the depression and you'd see in movies in Hollywood, like uh, movies like Skippy, about how the rich would just completely like, oh, we just got to bulldoze those communities mm. for any excuse that we can find. And Lead Me Home is a documentary about the people who are living that life and they're all human beings with mm. real problems and they all have different needs and that's actually something that's really interesting about this documentary they talk about uh, what do you need like there are a lot of the people who are part of this documentary that's, are that's that's the sort of the, the bookend material it's yeah. interviews with the homeless people uh, yeah. in question yeah from from and, various yeah. groups that are trying to assist them and, and it's like and what, they're asking and, yeah what what do you yeah. require like yeah. and of course at the end they just say 
place. So, yeah, well, most of them just say, head. I just need a room. Yeah, I need yeah. a place to sleep. Well, that's yeah. all I really need. But, yeah. Yeah, but Modest security. But apart like from that, it, some know? of them have uh, physical health needs, some of them have yeah. mental health needs, some of yeah. them have psychological needs. Um, yeah. Some of them have they, families. Yeah, some of them have, uh, all, all of them have dignity. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the, this is something that... Uh, um, you'll encounter a lot. There's a lot of homeless queer youth mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Uh, qu- queer youth who come out to uh, a bigoted family and the bigoted family will just throw them out of the house and they have really nowhere to go. Yeah. So there's a lot of homeless queer youth and they, there's at least one uh, homeless queer kid mm. that they interview. That is highlighted in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, there may be more, but there's at least one that's highlighted, yeah. No, just, I'm, I'm glad that representation is in there. I'm glad um, too. Yeah, it would be a huge oversight otherwise. What I appreciate about it, Lead Me Home, is that uh, it it's... This is all kind of old news, especially if you live in L.A. or San oh, yeah. Francisco. You know all of this stuff, and mm-hmm. you've seen it play out, play out in real time. Uh, it might be a little eye-opening if you don't live in L.A., just sort I, of the, how I, it looks on the ground. In my experience, that there are, there are some miscommunications about what that is like mm. outside of Los Angeles, and a lot of people seem to be sort of not approaching the topic with a lot of nuance if you're not living yeah, in those yeah. areas. And that's unfortunate. And, uh, so hopefully this documentary can illuminate. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I appreciate that this film isn't trying to uh, like shake its finger or cluck mm. its tongue or go tut tut and just say mm. this, this is a sad thing. It's actually yeah. saying that there are practical solutions. Yeah. There are some practical solutions that we need to implement. Mm-hmm. And here's the people are telling us what they need yeah. and this is what we can do to provide it for them. And the film is more about the frustration as to how so much of the legislation in these cities yeah. have deliberately been ignoring that because it's either too expensive or it's too hard. Well, and, and, and uh, also, and also, who are and, they prioritizing? And, and, and they're exactly, prioritizing the landowners. They're not prioritizing people. Who, and a, yeah. a big part of it is just this yeah. general disrespect for people who don't have homes. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. a fucked up situation mm. and it's incredibly tragic and there's no goddamn excuse yeah. whatsoever for not having reasonable housing facilities and even the places that are trying to provide that type of housing they're not necessarily doing it right and I've heard mm. stories about people who are like yes you can come in and use this housing but in order to do that you have to prove you need housing which means that you can't bring any property of your own and I'm like well I had property that allowed me to do work Yeah. well now you can't do that and now you're stuck or, here or this like, idea it's like, that what the fuck like it's you like, get you get uh, there's like food stamp programs yeah. uh, all over the country and a lot of the people get sort of these low paying, they finally get a low paying job. It's yeah. like I can finally get a little bit of income yeah. and use these food stamps to feed myself and get this money to actually yeah. like start building up some coffers. But the system is designed that once you have a job, you don't get food stamps anymore. And now all so of that money is, the going, money to is going to food and then you can't pay rent anymore. Exactly. Yeah, and then you're just not, back out on the street. So it's a fucked up system. There, the, the movie does a pretty good job of illuminating. Kind, that, kind yeah. of yeah, getting some of these details. Yeah. It's far. It's actually far, far, far vaster problem and more nuanced yeah. problem than even this film touches on. It mm-hmm. is only uh, like 38 minutes. But um, uh, this is actually one of the documentary shorts that are pushing the the, the length limit that mm-hmm. justify that length because they have a lot to cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, none of it feels like padding. Uh, it's it's all and yeah it's all very activist minded. A lot of the the short films you'll find are cause oriented, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like a short film can handle that notion a lot better than a feature because features have to play by feature rules. They have to sort yeah. of arc and crest in a certain kind of way, which means the filmmakers are going to be focused a little bit more on story and conclusion rather than just presentation. And I feel yeah. like a short can get away with just presentation better. Than a feature can. No, it's true. Like, um, um, 
Yeah, the film has the film has to justify its running time by adding more elements, and a short can be punchy, mm. and it really can be good. Um, speaking of a good short punchy film, The Queen of Basketball is another <laughs> one of my favorites uh, from this uh, crop, and this, 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 this is, is this is just the uplifting one. This is an uplifting one. It's, there's a melancholy to it, but there's mm. this is an uplifting one, and it's also. Something I did not know, and maybe if you're a big fan of basketball, you know all about this story. But to me, I was like, oh, this is all news to me, and it's really interesting. This is a story about well, Lucia Harris. It's called The Queen of Basketball. Yeah, The Queen of Basketball is about Lucia Harris, uh, who uh, was a professional basketball player in college, and she also won a silver medal at the Olympics at the very first year that women's basketball was the, played. This, this was in the 60s, I think. When she, uh, like, 60s or 70s. Yeah, when, when she first started yeah. playing. And, uh, it's <clears> all, <throat> and it's uh, she's still alive, or she was when this documentary was recorded. I think she, she's still alive. No, um, she, she's passed. Oh, that's too so, yeah. bad. Oh, she, yeah. yeah, this this is like... Um, mm. Oh, yeah, she passed, she passed away in January. Yeah, just oh, like my short, shortly before the release just of the now. short. So, yeah. um, well, in any case, um, but it's a story about how, you know, she was exceptionally tall for her age, but exceptionally talented at basketball. And when she was in school, she actually had this opportunity to excel. And to prove herself and to become um, an act, a, a genuine role model and hero to a lot of people, especially young women, and um, and got had this incredible story of this rise to acclaim. And here's the damnedest thing, though: um, the WNBA did not exist yet. So when she was out of college, there was nothing for her to do with that skill. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere for her to go, and. The movie doesn't dwell on this very much, but yeah, that did not lead to a very, very, you know, that 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 led to a lack right. of opportunities. And she had one opportunity, which is super exciting and could have changed the world, and she decided not to do it. Mm. And she well, talks and, uh, about whether or not she regrets that decision, and it's really rather beautiful. Uh, and uh, and a lot of this film does deal with sort of her own her own mental health issues. Yeah, uh, like she was was. Bipolar. Yeah, bipolar. Yeah. She was yeah, dealing with her with uh, bipolar at a time when. Uh, the the terms and the medicines weren't where they are today, and uh, also and there was a lot more stigma than there is today, and there's yeah. way too much stigma today. So yeah, so yeah, de- dealing with that in addition to uh, trying to sort of find a place for her talent is sort yeah. of like the the center of this movie. But it doesn't dwell on that. It just sort of says this is her life, and these were trials she faced, and these were triumphs she had. And it's interviews with her. She's just sort of speaking directly into the camera, and. She's a hoot. She's so she, much fun. She's just really charismatic yeah. and relaxed. She's reached that. Um, uh, I I can't wait until I reach the age where I can just sort of like giggle a lot and not give a shit. Yeah, she, she's <laughs> like, she, "How's she, your life? Oh, it's pretty fun." She, she had an amazing life. I mean, she 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 talks about. There's this great bit where she talks about like you know, didn't she, after her basketball career. She settled down, mm-hmm. she coached, she uh, she got married, she had kids, her kids are all grown up, and they all did pretty cool things. And she talks about how, like, yeah, this basketball, for a long time, I remember basketball just being this thing I did for a while. And then one day, like, a couple of years ago, I opened up my scrapbook, and I'm like, you know, I was really good. <laughs> it takes a few years' perspective. Yeah, yeah. and she's she's got a fun perspective on it, where... She 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 knows she did something great. She's proud of what she accomplished. She has every fucking right to be. Um, and she's also looking back on the sad times, and she's mm-hmm. able to do that with the context of a life long lived. Yeah, and it's incredibly inspirational in the moment when they're just dealing with her story, like you know, and he just here's how she played this great match and how she scored forty points in a single game, and here's how she did at the Olympics, and holy shit, she made the first basket, we had the first two points at the Olympics, and oh my god, all these amazing, amazing things. 
And all of that stuff is just this triumph. It's exciting. Why isn't this a Hollywood biopic? Like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And then the last bits too, she, she looks at with genuine, earnest, uh, 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 almost comfort in wh- what mm. she's done and the choices that she's made. Um, it's incredibly uplifting in a way that feels really earned and genuine. And the last shot is very sweet. I want to say I, that I, right. I, I don't it's, uh, it's, in, it's in their driveway. Like she's oh, watching, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I don't want to run it, but it's a very very sweet, and it gives a mm-hmm. it tells a lot about like her legacy and how her family connects to that legacy. Um, this is from Ben Proudfoot, who previously did the short documentary uh, "A Concerto as a Conversation." Oh yeah, yeah, which, about, uh, yeah, about the composer. Yeah, so he's he seems to be focusing a lot of his documentaries on uh, people trying to tell a story about older mm-hmm. people in their lives, yeah. and. Um, I think this one is remarkable. I do. I really, really love this documentary a lot. I hope everyone gets a chance to see it because this is right. definitely one of my favorites. Uh, the next one is called Three Songs for Benazir. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, an Afghani film. Yeah, and this is a story about a young uh, Afghan man who um, he, he has very few options. He, um, he He's working as a brickmaker. Yeah, you know, not not a glamorous job, not a and not a well paying one, yeah. and a lot a lot of heavy labor. You just make bricks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he uh, is has run up against some financial dire straits, and his drum. And this is like very just. It's it's very bureaucratic. It's it, about sort of. Signing, it's almost a catch twenty two. Yeah, kind of thing. like yeah. like the, this. There's almost this like, and I hate to use the word because it's overused, but Kafkaesque quality. Yeah. Uh, to just sort of facing this bureaucracy and kind of being lost in it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because it's about how uh, he feels like his only option uh, moving forward, like the best option for him. Yeah. Is if he to, wants, to, if he wants yeah. to improve his life and the life yeah. of his wife, Benazir, is, yeah. is he can uh, join the Afghani army. Yeah. And so join the army and. He doesn't, you know, he's not like particularly patriotic or anything. He doesn't want it's to like, a practical serve. Yeah, and a just, lot of people do this in, in America too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like it's, I, it, it'll, it'll feed me, shelter me, I'll save money, they'll give me opportunities for college. Um, and he tells his father, uh-huh. I want to join the army. Uh, uh-huh. uh, would you please support me? And his, and his father is like, uh, you, you're, you're not smart enough to go to the army. Yeah, and they, he says, well, can I go to college? And he's just like, you, you're not smart enough to go to college. Yeah. And so he's like, well, what the hell am I supposed he's, to he's, do? And dad says, what, yeah. you should you should go pick opium. Like, that's what <laughs> yeah. you should You should go into the opium trade. That's your, that's your best bet. Yeah. Um, so a lot yeah. of this is him trying to join the army and then running up against bureaucratic crap. It's like, yeah, you can join the army as long as you get your dad's permission. He's an yeah. adult, for God's sake. Like, he, he needs a signature. Like I think it's from his dad and his brother. Like, yeah. he needs, like, two family members to sign off on his Yeah, they, they justify capacity. it by saying, uh, like, if you committed a crime or if you abandoned the army, we need to know where you would most likely run mm. so that they would be legally obligated to turn you in. And he can't get his dad to do it because his dad doesn't want to join the army. Yeah. So he's fucked. So, yeah, and... That that's the story. That's of, it. It's of, just of him this. being screwed. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just how how difficult it is, and how few opportunities are presented to this, this poor yeah. man. Yeah, uh, it's it's been said before that the more specific something is, the more universal it is. Yeah. This is about a, a man living in Afghanistan who wants to join the Afghani army, and the fineries of the paperwork involved in joining just the Afghani army. This yeah. is not something that uh, other countries do. Yeah. Well, uh, they may, might, may, but like, this, yeah, maybe this, there are, but this is, this to is this specific to Afghanistan. And, yeah. um, uh, at the same time, I recognized everything this guy, sure. this guy was going through the struggling to find a better job, mm-hmm. the having to deal with 
bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Bureaucracy is one of my least favorite things in the world. I think it's almost everyone's least favorite yeah. thing in the world. And, and and but the other thing that's great about it is you understand uh, this 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 man's hmm. drive. He's not doing this for ego. No, he's, doing no, it. he's, he's married. He's got a kid on the way. He just wants he, to take care of his head. Three songs. The reason it's called Three Songs from Ben is here is over the course of the film, he sings songs to his wife. Hmm. Each time it's in a different context. It's nicely told storytelling. Um, and the last one's really, really sad because you realize that, like, w- w- without ruining the, the film, the choice he's ultimately forced to make doesn't lead to mm. the happiness he's looking for, yeah. but it does lead to some kind of eventual uh, realization of what his value should be. And I think that's ultimately it, a relatively it, positive ending, you know? I, th- I think this is, like, something they had to sort of root around for, this positivity. Yeah. Which yeah. you could say, I mean, that's life, isn't it? Sometimes you have to root True. around for the positivity. True. Uh, but no, this. But you're right. The specificity here belies just how universal this feels. Mm-hmm. And I really do feel like this is a documentary that anyone can get something out of. And it's, again, illuminating is something that I think a lot of documentaries are attempting to be. You're mm-hmm. trying to expose what it is like to live a certain way. What uh, is this chapter of history that has gone unnoticed? What is a social issue that has uh, not... Yeah, acquired what, enough attention and and what can we do about it and That's what can we do about it game. and here it's just we're, we're it's an incredibly um it's an incredibly intimate portrayal of someone that i would hope uh would help people relate to individuals whose plight they might not otherwise think of very much yeah, which is yeah. a great tragedy so on that level it's a very effective uh, uh documentary and then the last documentary that is nominated is called when we were bullies um, I admit, I think this was my favorite one. Interesting. Uh, because okay. this is a film about guilt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it, the filmmaker uh, is, the first shot is he's like breaking back into his old elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, I think it's in New York. And, it um, yeah. and it's thinking back to, uh, he, was, he was doing an editing project and he saw this little moment in this editing project of school children from mm-hmm. like the 1950s or 60s. And yeah. um, One kid was bullying was, another yeah, kid. One and kid then was an... bullying another kid and then a third kid, when they were just sort of walking away, just threw a very, not even a hurtful, just a casual punch at the guy. Just added one little punctuation of bullying yeah, like from, I'm, a, I'm bull- from a third party. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like hit him. And, and, and you the... know, it's like, not a kind thing to do. No, but, it's, a, uh, it's one of the many mean things it, it kids seems, do, yeah. It seems really, really casual, and it's like yeah. just like a couple frames, but that little moment sort of sparked this uh, recollection in the filmmaker mm-hmm. of this incident from his own childhood. When and we get more and more details as to what this, like the full extent of this incident was, yeah. When uh, he and not just like he and a couple friends, but he and essentially his entire grade, uh, just sort of surrounded this uh, other kid named Richard. Yeah, and and bullied him. Bullied him real they, bad. They didn't like yeah. beat him up. No, it's not. They it just sort of like pushed him around. It wasn't horrifying, but like yeah. it, it was. It was horrifying, but it wasn't like a horror movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Basically, uh, they were they're all like kept after school. And this is like I'm mean, like an elementary school. They're yeah, all like, kept after school. And they're they're like, like detention. Like fourth, fifth graders or something. They're kept to school in detention, and they had to keep longer. And the teacher specifically points out who did it. Mm-hmm. Like we had to all stay longer because Richard felt like talking. And everyone else is like, well, let's get him. Mm. And so every single kid, whether they would identify as a bully or not, who felt wronged by this kid, felt carte blanche to mm. gang up on him yeah. in a very, uh, very dog mean, Just a town. mean way. Just a yeah. horribly mean way. And it was, and then the teacher eventually gave him hell for it, as well they should have. Um, 
But then years later, this guy, you know, realizes, oh, I was part of something really terrible. Like, he, he realizes the extent of the ugliness of that act. Yeah. And also how weirdly casual it was. Yeah. And also how uh, everybody just sort of got in on it. And it's, yeah. it like, the, this weird sort of group think took over. And I, I think I... I think I like this movie because that seems, I mean, it's a documentary. So that's Mm. what bullying looks like in the real world. True. I've seen a lot of fictionalized versions of bullying that tell just a very specific kind of sugarcoated story of how it works. Yeah. They make it very simple. Like you're bullying because you you don't talk to your dad enough. And then we can resolve that. That's not how bullying works. The the bully is, the bully is a like damaged in some way themselves. Like they're, they're abused at home. So they bring the abuse to school. Uh, And the victim is uh, often depicted as uh, like targeted out of the blue they're like quiet and just randomly yeah yeah and they actually go over yeah like you're the new kid or you're you're too quiet or you're a nerd like there's a a very definite reason for it yeah and that's that's i mean that's not that's that's, i'm sure that's not never happened but there's a lot of bullying that is more complicated than it's a lot more complicated than that and oftentimes just more hateful than that this isn't about that specific incident it's not like this was yeah they don't say this has anything to do with racism or anything like that but it was definitely a situation where as throughout the documentary, mm. he tries to track down his teacher and uh, all, all the classmates because yeah. he's like fifty. He's like, he, he his classmates are all in their fifties, yeah. early sixties. But and... what he finds is that everyone he's able to track down remembers it. Mm. They all remember it, and they mostly, if not all, feel really bad about it. Yeah, and, and but the way they they talk about Richard, yeah, who he tries to track down and is not able to, yeah. Um, I hope, well, I hope I didn't just give away a spoiler. But, no, no, um, well, it's, it don't, don't expect a catharsis. Yeah. Uh, That's what we can tell you. But how, the, the way they talk about Richard is, oh yeah, he was the annoying kid. Yeah. He he was the kid I didn't like. And yeah. you, you think back to he your He always own, used big words, made me feel bad, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the, um, you think back to your own childhood, oh shit. Yeah. No, we all did that, didn't we? <laughs> like, that, yeah. that, there's something a little bit... Um, or you were the person that was done to or or both or both I both, think, is, I think both what, is possible I think what happens is that it, yeah. it, it's it's both for a lot of people and that's yeah. again that's why I think the depiction of bullying in in movies is sort of like a good guy bad guy thing mm-hmm. it's when actually everybody is, can be a bully and a victim it's, ultimately it's this weird cosmic stew where you just yeah. put a whole bunch of disparate children who are figuring out who they're going to be and how mm. to interact with the world. And because how they're kids. And, yeah. and, you're th- and you're throwing all these kids together and they're forming their own societies, basically, mm. based off of what makes sense to them socially whenever they're alone, like at recess or at lunch mm. or whatever like that. And it's going to be a recipe for mistakes. Mistakes yeah. will be made. And this is about a bad mistake they made as kids and yeah. the kind of mistake you're going to make as kids. Yeah. But I think what this film is going to is how these things that are like half remembered childhood memories mm. are maybe some of the bigger mistakes that are never addressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a an interview with one of the teachers where uh, mm. she gives like pretty non-committal answer oh yeah to what's she, all of she, this. she washes um, her hands of a lot of that yeah yeah and i think that's true and that's not a generational thing i think that's just true of the way school operates mm. even today not kids will be kids and there's yeah. going to be some kids who get picked on and mm-hmm. it's only looking back you know from the perspective of adulthood after you even remember something you forgot yeah that you realize sort of the impact you had on the lives of others yeah there's a there's uh, a f- sorry go ahead. just there's something kind of 
very emotionally rich about exploring that kind of per- self-perpetuating guilt. Yeah. I wish... Mm. Th- th- I I'm, I appreciate why this is your favorite. It's not my favorite. Okay. And the reason it's not my favorite is there is a certain amount of... And I realize this is kind of baked into the premise, but it feels like he found it later rather than was trying for it. Uh-huh. Uh, a certain amount of futility in it. Mm. Um, where he's actively pursuing... Things that he cannot find. And ultimately, it's a documentary about how he feels. Uh And about how others feel, but mostly how he feels. And as a result, there feels like a part of this where he's desperately trying to get an acquittal by making this documentary. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of that that can't come across, help but come across feeling a little Uh self-serving. I don't know how you avoid that. Maybe it's unavoidable. But as a result, there's a part of this that kind of pushed me away. But... I appreciate the effort that is being made here, and I appreciate that this is a very difficult subject to make a documentary about. There's no footage of it. Mm. What are you supposed to do? It's a difficult thing to do. I think he employs a lot of narrative tricks uh, in order to keep it visually arresting, and uh, it mostly pays off. But it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. I would say... Queen of Basketball is my favorite. I think Queen uh, of Basketball is it's 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 maybe not the most deep, but I actually do think it has a lot to say about uh, the opportunities that were not afforded to uh, a variety of people when they could have made a difference, and yeah. how you know you look at people like oh, and here's what Larry Bird was doing, here's what Magic Johnson was doing, and then you think to yourself, well, yeah, that that could have been Lucia Harris. Oh. If they'd been allowed. <laughs> and that's the sort of thing that I feel adds a lot of depth to that mm. story. So I think that one's satisfying on a variety of levels. That's probably my favorite. Mm. Um, if I were to guess which one's going to win, kind of irrelevant. But I'd say it's probably Audible. Probably Audible, Audible works as yeah. kind of a, as a feature. Ooh, but, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't it be great if Audible and Coda wouldn't both won cool? this year? That'd like, be neat. Right? What, what I still see Coda, but I, I, yeah. that'd be really neat. Um Coda just won a bunch of like producers guild awards of some kind. Sag award, SAG award. It won a SAG award, which is, which is a good so sign it, for it. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of guys. A lot sport. of people are sort of like looking away from the power of the dog, saying, "Oh, is Coda going to win the Academy Award?" I don't. I I, I give up you know on what? predicting this. Hey, year. guess what? Those are both good movies, and you yeah. should watch them. And that's where I'm going to leave yeah, it. The, the movies that I don't like are not the front runners. So yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I I don't care for Nightmare Alley, but you know what? It's not the favorite to win, so I'm okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel the same way about stuff like Don't Look Up. Like, yeah, well, don't, I don't think don't, don't Look Up is going to win Best Picture. Don't so Look don't Up care. is fine. I don't know why yeah. it's up for all this awards stuff. Yeah. Just watch it, kind of enjoy it, and forget about it. Anyway, what do you want? What do you want to do? Um, live action shorts or animated shorts? Uh, again, this is part of my process. Mm-hmm. I save, yeah, follow your process. Sa- I save the animation for last, typically. Okay. Now this year, actually switched it around but i'm gonna go by my traditional okay um, just so to take you through the way i usually do it um just because my wife wanted to watch the animated shorts with all right me, so well I then the uh, but uh the live action shorts yes um uh, overall i want to say not a typically str- not a very strong category this year um no, not that, a lot that better. I there's like. at least two um, i think are really great there's but, there's yeah. one i really really like um uh the rest the the message quote message pictures the ones that are talking about a cause mm feel really blunt. Me- yeah, blunt and melodramatic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, and again, yeah. you're, in, you're working in a short subject. You yeah, don't have a lot of real estate. There's, there's a bit well, more freedom to be blunt, but you're not necessarily doing There, there was one that is actually a really good story up until the end. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, there was one that uh, is, is a little bit more of like a, you, mo- you can almost call it a music video. But, um, almost. Um, look, well, let's start. Yeah. We'll do an alphabetical uh, order again. And let's start with uh, A La Kachu, which translates to Take and Run, mm, so. uh, which is a Swiss short film 
uh, about about uh, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, about Kyrgyzstan, and uh, it's about a young woman who is uh, raised by a very staunchly old-fashioned mother, and all they want is for their daughter to get married. You're you're of age now. Get married. That's what you do. And she, what she wants to do is go to college. Uh, and she, right from the start, it's like she's like, she says, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to college. I have a friend yeah. there. I'm going to yeah. crash with her. And the friend is like someone is like the daughter of a neighbor. And she has brought shame upon the family by going out but, and uh, getting a job. But here's the thing. She doesn't care. Yeah. Like they go to college and they're just going to class. It's like, oh, we found it. This is it. Yeah, there's this, there are all these that, wonderful all moments that old where fashion like, crap doesn't matter at all. There's these moments where like she 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 takes the entrance exam to college and if she doesn't get a scholarship, she can't do it anyway. Mm. But she's gonna try and she's staying with her friend in, in the city and her friend teaches her how to drive and it's really inspirational and she gets a job working at like a bakery and it's all very oh everything's awesome and she's really making it and then she's kidnapped mm-hmm. by a guy. Who just is looking for a bride. That's it. That's it. He's not going for ransom. He's not like, even going like, to kill her. He's li- like, I've kidnapped you. Literally therefore, kidnapped. you're mine now. They, they go into the place where she works. They ask uh-huh. if she ask if she's alone. Yeah. Uh, well, they ask they ask for the person. They ask for the girl who was there earlier that day. Yeah. That guy's late. And I was like, I really wanted to kidnap the other person for your shift, but I needed to get married today, so you were the next best thing. So he grabs so they, her. They and grab her just off the street and yeah. stuff her in a van. And they drive her onto the into wherever they live, middle of nowhere. It's the middle of the desert and. Uh, and then all and all of the, he's not alone. It's like a small community there. All the women there, they know exactly what's going on. Say, ah, okay, cool. You're joining us. Come on in. Uh, you can't escape. Uh, by the way, this, the, uh, this, that's not an option right now. So just just get married and you'll be happy. It's it's kind of odd that I saw this film and a movie called Fresh that opened this week. Oh uh, yeah, there are some similarities that, that both featured the line of dialogue. You'll get used to this. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Both movies are uh, feature feature kidnappings. Ah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so the idea is in this community. This young woman is expected to just take it. Yeah. You're just going to be a bride, this and that's is your life, life now. Now. now she never once like gives up. No, and she never considers it. And it's no. it's not this sort of. She thing knows where... she knows when to play ball and keep them at their guard, yeah. but she's always looking for a way out. Yeah, yeah. You and know? so it's it's an escape movie. Yeah, uh, rather than it's being a thriller, a really, sort yeah. sort of like sad story about how she's just going to be trapped there forever. We know yeah. she's going to get out somehow, or at least try. Yeah, and uh, and as such. There's like an escape sequence. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a suspense film, and you're I, waiting I don't for. Her, say, like, you're, what, well, there's at least one, and you're waiting for her to at least attempt to make mm-hmm. an escape. But what the, I think the film throws a lot of curveballs at you, where there's a lot of times where you think things are gonna. Oh, oh, this is the chance. This is where everything's gonna be fine, and then you realize that the social structure in which she lives is basically just saying like, oh, so you were kidnapped and forced to get married. Congratulations! Right, <laughs> everything is solved for you now, and it's horrifying. It's genuinely horrifying, and obviously they're making a, a very specific point about the shocking number of women who are kidnapped and forced into marriage throughout mm-hmm. the world, but in particular Kurdistan. And it makes that point, but I think this does so in a very. This is an exciting short film, regardless. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly well told. I appreciate the nuance. Uh, given to the people who have no idea they're doing something wrong. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they do they, not see this they, as a problem. This, they, is they just know, your, this is just their life. They know that you see this as a problem right now, but they also know that, listen, this happened to me 60 years ago, and I got used to it. <laughs> so, surely you will. 
And there's something really... It's like an A24 horror film in a lot of ways. This kind of like... A little bit, but yeah, that that kind of casualness toward the the horror. And it's it's all... Yeah, the casualness of the horror and the idea that it's all based on a social structure. That feels very much uh, like that vibe. Um, Yeah, I think this one works. I do. It's, It's blunt, but I think by couching it in a suspenseful tone rather than just bleak tragedy uh-huh. i think they managed to make something that uh, that really hits you hard uh, i i feel like it was a little too this may be a strange uh strange criticism but a little too movie if uh-huh. that makes any sense like it feels a little too premeditated a little constructed like, yeah a, a little and as such the melodrama i think undercut a lot of maybe uh the more powerful emotional moments maybe uh especially when it came to the end because this is a, a film about a true phenomenon. This is something that actually yes. happens in the world. And so you're going to get that Chiron at the end. You know, X number of women are indeed kidnapped. This is something that happens in the world. We're informing you as well as entertaining you. That's one of the basic functions of just cinema. Uh, <clears throat> so when it comes up, it's like, oh. Oh, oh it's like, y- you could have... You could have made me want to sort of like get involved in this a little. I feel like it, it didn't grab me enough. I see what you're saying. To make me get more involved. You're saying in the you're real saying you're saying it doesn't it doesn't function very well as activism. Exactly, it doesn't function the, the yeah. perfect way to put it. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, it may be a good, it may be decent short, but as in terms of like getting it's, it's you, it's a good yeah to term, change your yeah in terms of filmmaking, but it's not strong enough to uh, sort of move me to action. Uh, and, I can appreciate that. And I think that's that was its function, and if I can okay. read that as its function and it's not successful, then I can say it's not a very successful short, even if it is quite entertaining. I love the lead actress in it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not my favorite. That's, no, that's no, that, that makes just, sense. It's that just a sense. quibble. I don't want to say that it's no, like no, a bad It makes sense. I see your point. Yeah. It's not necessarily where I'm coming from, but I, I see your point. Uh, the next film is a film called The Dress, which takes place in Poland. And it is about a little person, and she works uh, in a motel uh, where there's a lot of traffic, a lot of truckers that go through, and she's been working there for a really, really long time. And and she's, I, I'd say, about middle-aged. I, th- I think she's younger than that. A little younger than I think she's like maybe in, in her early 30s. Um, okay, but she's not she's not like a teenager or anything no, like that. No, yeah. but she... She chain smokes like crazy. Everybody oh in this movie chain smokes. I haven't seen oh, this many cigarettes in a movie in a long single-handedly time. Single-handedly kept the camel like, company like, in business. And, and, like, and there, there's even a scene where she's really stressed out and she's sitting in a chair next to one of her coworkers and she's like drinking like like sucking on cigarettes like a, it's a slurpee. It's like yeah, like just inhaling like, all this smoke. Like you're lost she's really in the desert out. and you yeah. found a big pile of cigarettes. It's like oh, God. <laughs> uh, and and. She works as a maid in this little truck stop hotel. Yeah, and uh, and she's horny. Yeah, and that's that, that that's kind of like where she's at. She's yeah. she's she's feeling lonely. She wants to mm. go on a date with a man and how you yeah. know have have some sexy times. And unfortunately, you know, she's trapped in this very small town. There's mm. a lot of closed minded people, and she's never really had romance in her life. And mm. she says early on in the film that she's still a virgin. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, she's horny. She mm. wants to meet someone. She wants to have a relationship in her life. And early in the film, she meets a trucker who comes by here every so often. They recognize each other. They're interested in each other. They hit it off. They have some little chemistry, little sparks. And the guy says, in, "Hey, in, in a very minor, sort very, of way. very minor yeah, way, but also clearly flirtatious. Yeah, yeah, clearly flirtatious." And so he says, "Hey, I'm coming back into town in about four days. You want to do something when I'm back in town?" Mm. And she says, "Okay, let's do this." And the majority of the film is those four days as she is trying desperately. 
to to, to get something nice to wear. But just yeah. get something nice to wear, just so that she feels confident, just so that she's putting out the vibe she wants to put out. Mm. And she's she doesn't really have the outfit for that. She can't afford to have one made, or can't if she, even if she yeah, did, she, they couldn't have it done in time. Yeah, poverty yeah. is a big issue for yeah. her as well. So it's just basically her desperately trying to put herself in a position to mm. uh, have the relationship uh, that she wants, yeah, and, and and also yeah. uh, and and deal with some confidence issues. She's yeah. going on a date for the first time. Yeah, as anybody would have a confidence issue. I yeah. don't. I don't think I look good enough, or I don't think I can yeah. present myself in the right yeah. way. And uh, uh, and and that, that's an issue that she's able to bring up with her coworker, and her coworker mm. in a really wonderful moment. Yeah, just says. God damn, you have so many more opportunities than most of us. Yeah. It's like you, you ha- look at look at you. You're great, and yeah. and it's like very, it's very uplifting. For, it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's nice. Honestly, this movie is super duper awesome until the end. Un- until the end, because the it end feels is... like this is uh, this wonderful story of this. Uh, this woman who's experienced this lack of confidence, learning uh-huh. to be confident and achieving her goals and getting it. And that would have been mm. a great story. And, and then I, they, they, they pull, twist the knife. Yeah. They pull the rug out from under you and give you a sad ending after all. And I'm not a until, pretty brutally sad. It, it's, ending. A, it's very bleak. And like, I got to tell you, like I'm not saying there's no room for sad endings. I'm not the mm. kind of person who says you can't make a movie with but a sad the, ending. But with when you're in a short film it, like this, where all you're left so, with is the sadness. It goes so extreme yeah. in, in it feels in, like a into betrayal. the darkness. It yeah. feels like a betrayal. Yeah. It feels like you set us up for something and you betrayed us for something for a point you already kind of made. Yeah. And to give us nothing in return for the time that we gave you in this film and, and to give the character so little a character who has so much dignity mm. and grace and humor and a character we've really come to appreciate yeah, she, she's great she's in this great, movie great yeah. it's a wonderful performance like it sucks honestly mm. like it's a, it's such a disappointing it, it's, conclusion yeah, it doesn't and it doesn't really feel like it's earned it doesn't feel like it's necessary it doesn't no, feel like a valid no, point has been made it's, it's, the it's, not, it's not about true, activism yeah, it's Lars von Trier thing it's shocking it's shocking yeah. to shock you like ha we thought you would you thought you were gonna get something that would mean something to you and instead I hurt you how do you feel well, and I'm like well, I, I, I feel <laughs> awful and I'm mad at you ha ha I did it's like it's like a trolling film yeah and, it, it's it's such such an ill-advised badly presented ending it feels like the sort of thing where like someone would give you a note and then the author would be like i can't believe the studio note i got and then everyone around you would say that's a good note actually you should probably do that um it's like i was like i was uh uh the old story about uh when uh matt damon and ben affleck wrote goodwill hunting mm. good movie goodwill hunting and you know it's, I like it. it got them an oscar for a screenplay that's a good screenplay jump-started their careers when they were just kind of not big stars the earliest drafts of Goodwill Hunting, in addition to the stuff we all like from it, mm. also had like the government out to get him. <laughs> oh god! Like oh, there's this super genius. Well, the government's gonna get him, and they turn into this thriller bit at the end. And um, the story goes that uh, they were like trying to get this made, and the producers were just like, "Yeah, can we not do this?" And then uh, they were like, "No, no, no. This is important to us. We need to have this bit where the government's trying to get him." And then uh, finally, they hooked them up with uh, William Goldman. William Goldman, who was considered one of the greatest screenwriters who ever lived, uh, wrote uh, uh, the, the Princess Bride, the book and the movie, uh, and Dreamcatcher. Okay, well, <laughs> that's I, not that's no will, one's finest hour. I, I will never pass up an opportunity to bring up Dreamcatcher. But he also wrote All the President's Men. Yeah, he also wrote Butch right, Cassidy, the Sundance Kid. He also wrote, he was a brilliant writer. Uh, and uh, his apparently his whole contribution was uh, basically just saying. Cut that shit out. And Ben Ben, 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 ben Affleck like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> William Goldman says we should cut it out. We should cut it out. Um, 
It's just the sort of thing where it probably felt like that might have been the reason the movie was made is to get to this ending. Hmm. But it hurts the film. It, yeah, absolutely. And it, and, it, and it makes you mad at the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a that, again, you can say, Oh, this might have been realistic, it's fine, but like that's well, not so, a value in and it, of itself. You it's, gotta like focus at the whole package. I here. think it's bad storytelling, but yeah. it, it's also in that emotional way, something you don't want for the character. Yeah. It's like it's a, like this weird breaking of a contract for yeah. like what you were setting and, up and, for for her. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a short film. It's not like we have any t- opportunity to get past that. Yeah, like that's not and, at the and, end of for the first act and yeah, it's about like, And then we'll get them we'll overcome the, the it later or something. That, yeah. Like no, it's just shitty. Yeah, it's yeah. a real disappointment because other than that it's quite good. But it, yeah, um, it's good up until then, but that ending, man, just kind of ruined the whole thing. Uh, alphabetically next I think is The Long Goodbye. Uh um, yes. Yeah, The Long Goodbye. Long um, goodbye. This is probably the one that's going to win. Uh, and it feels is, it feels like it's got that vibe uh, yeah. be, because it has Riz Ahmed. It has like the the star. That's not a guarantee, one. though. That's true. That Oscar Isaac film didn't win. That's uh, true. From last that's, year, that, that's not a guarantee. Uh, where he was the the male reader. In the, I, the I have a theory that another film is actually more likely to win, but I'll talk about that when okay. we get to uh, it. But yeah, this is um, this is a big old gut punch of a movie oh, uh, God, where um, Riz Ahmed <sighs> uh, is sort of. Preparing for some big event with his his family, and his family is all yeah. gathered in the same house, and it's really noisy, yeah. and a lot of people are moving around. And uh, there's some word on TV of like a local um, far like, right, far like, right, well, yeah, like alt right rally going on nearby. And that's just sort of something that's incidental in the background. And Riz Ahmed is just sort of talking. There's a lot of it's very ultimate-ish and that there's mm-hmm. a lot of people chattering all at once. Mm-hmm. And the, the rooms are all very full and it's very a, rich. Even little characters have a yeah, lot little of character. Yeah, yeah, like people sort of like crop up and say something really funny, and then they sort of vanish. It's it's all very you know good, rich. And this is a tight film, filmmaking. by the way. This is yeah. really short. It's like twelve minutes. It's like twelve minutes. It's really punchy. Um, and then halfway through the movie, completely unexpectedly, mm-hmm. those alt right uh, activists break into their home, mm. drag them out on into the street and commit acts of violence. Yeah. Horrible acts of violence. Um, and the last part of the movie is a uh, pretty major shift in style. Well, it it breaks the fourth wall mm-hmm. and Riz Ahmed, um, who, who is uh, a rapper. He, mm-hmm. he has uh, his records, uh, comments is, on the action. Is, that essentially, uh, delivers a, a poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's like partly a rap song, but it's most, more like slam poetry. It, it reminds me of the uh, conclusion of Blind Spotting a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The movie, where, I would where say the, the show, but yeah. Where the catharsis is like this yeah. performance. It's an expression, yeah. yeah. Only um, in this one, it's not... Uh, in, in Blind Spotting, it was sort of like within the world of the movie. Like yeah, it's actually here, it's, it to other here it's not. Here yeah. he's delivering it directly to the audience yeah. about uh, about white supremacist hate. Yeah. And how that affects the world, and how this is just sort of bleeding everywhere, and uh, it's just fear, rage, and outrage over all of this. Yeah. It's just uh, it's a bold uh, move, well, storytelling wise, s- sounding his yawp yeah. into the universe, as it as yeah. it were. And um, it's a bold move, and, and it's, it's it, a bold move. It's incredibly dark, and yeah. um, I think it gets away with. I think the reason why this works as well as it does, and it's mm. maybe not my favorite, but it's it's very good, um, is because not unlike the dress. Which sets you up with characters that you really like mm. and are interested in and uh, you're very engaged in their story and then something really, really terrible happens out of the blue. Um, whereas the dress leaves you there. Yeah. This at least gives you some time to comment on it. And it's not just about, aha, gotcha. It's like, mm. no, we had a point to make. And yeah. we're going to do this in a soliloquy, basically, which is blunt. But well, it's I, but it's done, I think, in a, in a rather... Uh, well. Mm. Way, isn't it? Yeah, the uh, 
despite the fact that uh, some of the biggest movies of all time are these sort of broad fantasy pictures and there's a lot of special effects, I feel like, generally speaking, the uh, bent toward cinema is realism. These th- mm. are fantasy films, but they're trying to be presented as if they would take place in the real world. Yeah, you're trying. They're trying to make sure you uh, believe in the reality being presented, whether or not it's realistic. Even if you know, yeah. monsters and dragons and fantasy creatures. Yeah, um, Luke Skywalker never goes like Jedi. Am I right? Yeah. Wah, wah. Like you never. The, yeah. Theatrical flourishes are very rare in cinema. Yeah. Uh, because in an old-fashioned yeah, theatrical an, an old, way, that is, yeah, old-fashioned, yeah. uh, you know, soliloquizing sort of way, yeah. and. If a movie can just sort of break open and let the poetry flow forth, I'm going to be appreciative. Sure. I'm going to enjoy the fact that it is addressing us directly rather than being bogged down by the bland vagaries of realism. Yeah. I would rather have uh, Riz Ahmed turn to the camera and, and soliloquize. Yeah. When was the last time there was a, like a good long extended speech in a movie delivered directly to the camera? Uh, um, oh, there's okay. There's yeah. actually one coming up. It hasn't come out yet. There's a Rebecca Hall film oh, yeah. uh, coming out later. This oh, what's it called? Hang on. It's really really right. good though. Um, I, I remember um, it's happening later. There's one later this year where right. it's just like it's a stunner, and you're sitting there like, holy shit. <laughs> um, it's called Resurrection. Resurrection. So right. it stars her and Tim Roth. Really creepy movie, but there's like this one centerpiece monologue, right. which is yeah, <laughs> uh, just there, astounding bit of acting. But I, like, it is rare. It is rare. Yeah, one of one of my favorites in recent years is actually from a really sucky movie called oh. Thirty One, directed by Rob Zombie. Oh, I forgot and, about yeah, yeah. And yeah. that movie, it, it's bad. It's about people no. being stalked by clowns on Halloween. It's, it's, it's about just, it's about there's a, it's a, it's the most dangerous game we're gonna hunt humans, but you do it on Halloween, and all of the hunters are scary clowns. Yeah. And they have it's, and they have funny names like I, Deathhead and Doomhead. It, it, and, um, I, I feel like it's I, this, I don't know if this is true or apocryphal, but like the story goes like uh, Rob Zombie was trying to get something good made, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yeah, we don't want that." All right, what about something with killer clowns? And like, great, do it, Rob. And he's well, like, "Fine, I'll write it over the weekend." The, the story he actually Rob Zombie actually yeah. told about that was yeah. uh, he was on the phone with his like, yeah. "Hey, he's trying to get a, a I think it's a movie about football hooligans that he's been trying to get." He was trying to uh, hockey. He was trying to hockey. Was, yeah, yeah. He was a couple of passion projects he's been trying to get made for a while. Mm-hmm. One is about hockey. And another one is about the last days of Groucho Marx. Yeah, I'd love to see. And he's doing yeah. a Munsters film. Which, I mean, that's interesting. That, but, that. Um, but yeah, he was like, evidently he was with a friend. Uh, he was talking on the phone with the executive and a friend yeah. was in the room with him. And he like covered the receiver and turned to his friend. He's like, I'm just going to think of the stupidest thing I can and watch them say yes. And then he got back on the phone and said, yeah, how about something about it's Halloween and people being stalked by clowns? And they said yes. Yeah. So he made 31. So, so I was right. Okay, but that yeah. movie, 31, features an actor named Richard Brake, a really yeah. great genre actor. Yeah, you um, may remember him as Joe Chill from Batman Begins. He's the guy who killed Batman's parents. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. He had a lot of little roles as bad guys. Yeah, he, career, yeah, he plays a lot of heavies. and uh, yeah. Had a big role the, in uh, the, opening... the Mandalorian, I think. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't see that season. He was, in, he was in Tremors 7. Like, he's... <laughs> But he's really great whenever he yeah, shows up. And yeah. the movie 31 begins with Richard Brake looking right at the camera and giving this really long, unbroken dialogue. Like, it's an extreme close-up of his face. And you see all the... And he's yeah, got covered in makeup and blood. Speech, and, yeah, yeah. He's got the, and he just talks about how he wants to, like, dismember people and he doesn't care about life. It's like, this is, like, fucking Richard III right here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is... It's like... <laughs> it was, like, almost transcendent. And then, of course, the movie happened and it yeah. sucked. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I like it a little more than you do, but it's not it's, good. It's, it's not, not good. good. It's, it's, just, it's just dumb sleeves. It's, it's hooey. It's, yeah. it's fine. There's but, some good things about it. But yeah. yeah it's, you it's, can do worse, but it's not good. Um, so I... I 
that whole ramble I did about the movie 31 mm. does speak to uh, the long goodbye uh, in, in, in an important way. And that's yeah. we get sort of the there's so much more raw dramatic power that can be given by just speaking directly mm. to the audience in a theatrical sort of way. And yeah. I think Riz Ahmed uh, sort of understood that in sort yeah. of a, a musical poetic kind of way and just yeah. sort of shot his anger right into our faces. Yeah, it's, and, it's effective. And, and really yeah, and really kind of made it land. It's very effective. Uh, the next film is called On My Mind. Uh, this is a this is a very sweet film, and it's about uh, a guy who walks into a bar in the middle of the day. Nobody else there. It's just the the server and her boss who's doing their taxes. He orders a drink, and he's very despondent. He says, "I don't, I don't even care. Just whiskey." And uh, the guy's doing the tax, like, "Give him the expensive stuff." And she she realizing he's in a rough place doesn't give him the expensive stuff. So already we got conflict. Um, he drinks his drink and is about to go, and that's when he sees they have a karaoke machine. And he says, may I use your karaoke machine? And they say, we only turn that on on the weekends. And the guy's like, I'll pay anything. I need to sing this. I need to sing this Elvis song called Always on My Mind. It's a very sweet song. And uh, yeah. it, it, and the machine is very complicated. Like, it, it yeah. doesn't work right away. If you no, start a song, you have to wait for it to play out before you can restart it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's old yeah. and the janky doesn't really work very well. And um, well, uh, But that, uh, that uh, sort of malfunction yeah. causes... Uh, Takes well, a long well, time. It takes a long time and will reveal a ticking clock element to this story. Yeah, there's actually a reason he needs to do this because he wants to sing this song and he wants uh, the bartender to film him doing it. Mm. And and he is openly admits that he's not a good singer. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, this is not a vanity thing. This guy's like in his 40s. Like he's it's mm. nothing about that. He's singing it to someone that he cares about. And we don't know why. And that's a big mystery. Why is it so important to him? Why is it so important to him that... When there's a mess up on the phone, he needs to do it again right mm. away. And when the guy like who's doing his taxes and everything says, "Hey, listen, you've been trying for ten minutes. I, you're done," and he unplugs the damn thing, there's actually like almost a fight that breaks out. Why is this so important to him? And when you find out why it's so important, it's simple. It makes a lot of sense, and it is really sad and beautiful, and it's really uh, sweet. It's a sweet little film. Mm. It's a concoction. It's a. It's but in and maybe it's a and maybe. Maybe it's a cheap shot. Emotionally, I was I was gonna say this. This is this is the very definition of a cheap shot. But but I don't think that's inherently bad. Uh, maybe I don't think that. I maybe think, not. But I, I think, think here it is. I think in this particular because it's so small, because oh. it's so tiny, and I think because so much of it you're seeing it from the perspective of just these two people who have this melodramatic movie just walk into their business. Uh huh. Um, I think that takes that curse off of it a little bit, I, I and it makes it. it it's, look, I look. I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. I, <laughs> I got a little weepy. All I'm right. not going to lie. I think this is uh, this is a sentimentalist piece of filmmaking. 100% but I, is But it. I don't think that's inherently awful. And I actually think this, this because it's short, hmm. they can get away with it. Okay. Because what, this, this what is what a pretty I, uh, short film. This is like 15 it, minutes. Yeah, long. it's like a 12-minute film yeah. as well. Um, yeah, live action shorts, shorter, a shorter program than usual this yeah. year, just overall. Um, yeah. Uh, you talk about the, this sort of melodramatic story entering this boring bar in the lives. I feel like the the more interesting people had their lives infiltrated by an Oscars short. Uh, <laughs> that is to say, and all of the corny fineries right. thereof. Uh, this is one of those uh, tearjerker, manipulative kind of uh, what, what my mom would call a five hanky movie yeah. where you're just going to be crying a lot. Uh, in a way that strikes me as being really false. Uh, it, it feels mm. like they, they pulled out this big twist ending, not because it had anything organic to do with the story, but because they're really just trying to sort of 
poke well, at your wounds a little bit. This this isn't this uh, isn't the sort of thing a critic should be concerned about because mm. it's not our job to know the biography of everyone involved. Mm. Apparently, this is based on a true story. So okay. I, I suspect it came from a genuine place, but right. that's irrelevant if it doesn't come across if, as genuine. But it is the, the, the if genuine, you're curious at home, a genuine story yeah. is a moving story. Yeah, if you present it in a corny way, it becomes a corny story. I don't. And, I don't disagree. I, I, I'm not trying to uh, dismiss any real emotions that were felt in the real story here because. Uh, we're not talking about the ending, but no. it's, it's a bit of a heartbreaking ending. Yeah, that's it's that. a, a heartbreaking thing it's, to I, experience I in got, life. I got misty yeah. eyed. Okay, and and clearly, if you know now, now that I know it's true, it, clearly some sort of honor has been meant to be paid to one of the characters. Yeah. Uh, I I wish they had presented it in a way that felt a lot more. Uh, honest and organic. You're saying it feels then, a little contrived yeah, because of, exactly. because of the construction mm-hmm. of the sequence and how it's kind of presented as a mystery. Exactly. Yeah, I can I can see that. I don't dis- if, I don't disagree that if, that's a uh, takeaway. That's fair. If, yeah, if just, they yeah. didn't present it as a mystery, if he came in, yeah, and just flat and out said, said it, well, there also wouldn't be any conflict. Probably. Uh, yeah, I but, suppose you not. Know. I, I guess that wouldn't make a very good story. Um, yeah. It just, I don't know, it, it struck me as a little bit too, maybe, too, maybe, too corny. I, I, and that's a perfectly fair mm. takeaway. For me, it worked. I don't disagree that it's corny. I just think it was effective. Okay. I think it, I think it got away with its corniness. Uh, and then the last Oscar-nominated short, and this one was my favorite. It's my favorite, too. Yeah, this is called Please Hold. It is a sci-fi story. It takes place in the very near future. And uh, basically, the... So uh, a, a guy is going to work. A guy is going. And, all he's doing. This, this, and, he, and, it's, and it's like a Burger King job. It's like yeah, this, he's, this he's, like. Yeah, he's got, he's got like. A, he's, yeah. He looks like he's working at Chili's. He's got, he's got like, like a food a, item a, on a his hat. hat. And a name tag. And, all right. uh, he, and all of a sudden, a drone stops him. A helicopter. Uh, a police drone. He, yeah. The the, shot, the the opening shot of the movie is he's walking down the street. We see a drone delivering a package. So this is commonplace. This is this is drone world. Yeah. And, uh, which is not that far removed yeah, from reality. future. And yeah, a police drone soars down in front of him and says, "You're under arrest." his face and says you're under arrest please come with me and and, and it like offer it says we like it's a drone it can't put handcuffs on him it's like you know we've yeah. scanned you we know where you are if you run away we'll just you're getting in bigger trouble yeah so just put these handcuffs on and cooperate and he's like like right, this let's, is, get, let's this get this settled because i didn't do anything a, wrong in yeah. a brazil sort of way it's like okay let's just face the bureaucracy and then yeah. i can get to work on time and he is t- he all he is taken to a place he is told to remove every, all of his items of clothing Put he, on a he jumpsuit. Has, he has a and, banana that he has to put yeah. in the like he's in the middle of eating a banana and he just puts yeah. it in the like the evidence yeah. tub. And then uh, he is shoved into solitary confinement with a TV screen, and he's told you you have been arrested for a crime and uh, you could go to jail for as many as forty five years. Uh, and and he's not told what the crime he's is. Not, very Kafkaesque. He's not oh. told what the crime is. Uh, he's told that you can have a public defender. The public defender is just going to tell you to take a plea deal and go to jail for five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could hire another attorney uh, in order to do that. It will take $10,000. If you don't have $10,000, you can work for pennies a day mm-hmm. to make enough money. And yeah, this little door, like do that. a door opens yeah. in the wall and this little like knitting kit comes yeah. through. And it's like... He's uh, uh, now prison labor. Yeah. And he has to make these sort yeah. of like little he, knitted projects, puts them back into and the he slot, has and he gets pay a few even to make a phone call to call his mom and ask for help. Yeah. And, and three, that takes that $3 takes weeks. a minute. Yeah. That takes weeks. And then, like, once he does, like, his mom is like, no, mom, you don't understand. I have seconds. Mm-hmm. I bought seconds to make this conversation. And so he is just continually screwed over by a prison system that is for profit. 
that doesn't care about him. It's and automated, that is, yeah. And it's clearly, and it's clearly inherently broken. Hmm. And you're watching this, and you're going, "Oh, what a fucked up sci-fi!" This is what's happening now, isn't it? Yep. And yes, it is. This this is very. Uh, I, I already said Brazil. I was also reminded of RoboCop. Yeah. Uh, there's this wicked dark sense of humor to this short. Yeah. It's actually uh, because there's a lot of waiting on like automated phone calls that we'll all yeah. recognize. Yeah. And sort of a sardonic laugh of recognition yeah. when it's like, you know, press one to continue. Yeah. Oh, can I talk to a person? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. how do I get through this automation? You cannot. Do yeah. you want to press one to continue and be completely screwed? There's, a, there's, you have no this, options. there's this incredible bit where maybe he'll have a lifeline, maybe something will go well, and he's very excited. He's going, Yeah! And then the computer's like, So you would like to accept the plea deal? No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, a, Say yes to, to plead guilty. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fucking heroin. Yeah, or uh, there's another moment where, um, like, he's watching, like, money sort of tick down in his bank account. It's up there on the screen. As his mom is talking, every second is costing him money. This this dystopian thing where he's looking at how much money he has left tick down to zero. And he he went in, and, like, he's working retail. He's got, like, $100 in his checking account. Yeah, he doesn't have this money. Yeah, it's just he was just targeted randomly by a thing that mm. and and what did they do the facial recognition software seems to not be working which basically means he was profiled absolutely and yeah, for it, no it's, reason it's, yeah the the character is is a latino character yeah that's not insignificant yeah it is this is great sci-fi it, this, this is, is the this best is like, this is some of the like best kind of sci-fi you can do straight up twilight zone stuff yeah because uh, it, it works incredibly well because you're you you see it you recognize it as mm. sci-fi you're just distance enough from it that you can be entertained by it. Mm. but when all is said and done you cannot escape the fact that this is telling a story about what's happening right now yeah, yeah. and it is so fucking great and this is easily my favorite of the group <laughs> and i like quite a few of these i yeah. I, I know i like always i like always on my mind better than you did mm. um i think uh, i think the first one about the kidnapping is done well i think it's, it's a well it's a well-told well. story uh but this for me is the winner this is this yeah, is for, easily for the sure yeah. um i guess if if you're a fan of like stuff like black mirror you understand oh yeah that, that's it's very black mirror yeah. it's very uh but i understand that stories like this are being told all the time on tv and it's yeah. kind of rare to see this in like a theatrical setting yeah uh maybe if you watch a lot of twilight zone or a lot of black mirror you'll see this as ah just another one yeah but and just another one of something very good is still very good. Yeah. So, great. I, yeah, I like this one, too. I think it's my favorite. All right. And then, uh, lastly, we got the animated short films. Uh, this is an odd crop this year. Uh, you know what? I, I love the animated shorts this year. Because, really? Well, because, I have problems with them this year. Well, just because of the variety. I appreciate the um, variety. I don't think the individual shorts necessarily are all that good for the most part. But we're about right. to have that conversation. Uh, and there's no... Uh, I guess there's an Ardman short. One of the shorts there's, is put out by there's Ardman, an Ardman Animations. Short. There is one big studio short. Yeah, that's, that uh, one's, and that's on Netflix right now. Yeah. And uh, it, it's rare, though, that uh, there's not a year where we get a big, uh, like, Disney or a Pixar. That's true. There's no Disney and there's no Pixar this year. No, there's no there's um, no one that, like, everyone saw. Yeah, um, like, uh, I don't even recall if there was a short before Onward, which was the last theatrically released Pixar I don't from, recall. Well, uh, so I think Soul, didn't Soul this, also get theatrically released as well as go to straight to, to Oh, Disney? maybe there was a short before Soul as well. But yeah, yeah the, the the tradition of including yeah. a Pixar film with a Pixar short film yeah. uh, seems to have taken is, is a, a wayside bit, yeah, while but, Disney keeps shoving those on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, but, so, uh, so yeah, yeah there, isn't, there wasn't like a widely seen uh, mm. studio-produced uh, short film yeah. this year. So we have a lot more variety from a smaller international market. And I, yeah. I appreciate that they come from all over the world. Yep. Uh, that they all cover different topics. Yeah, they're very different, different tones. Films. And they're, they're all uh, in different animation styles. That's right. So our first one uh, is a painted uh, short story called 
Affairs of the Art, mm-hmm. uh, which is about a middle-aged woman who is looking back over her life, and while she is trying late in life to become the artist she always wanted to be, yeah, she, even though she's, she's like been, in her late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. And the, she's got a husband who's just whatever. And a kid who's basically a serial killer, like waiting to happen. Well, the, the, yeah. she describes him, she describes him as a geek and it looks well, like he's taught himself Dutch. So he talks to her yeah. in Dutch. Well, but that would be and, fun, uh, but there's also a bit like, and also he murdered this animal on screen, which by the way, that is, there's, so unnecessary. There's a, there's a lot of harm to animals it's, in this it's short. It's really uh, unnecessary in this one, and frankly, well, and, uh, it, I think it hurts the film a lot. It, but well, it's it's about how she's remembering a sort of the the very strange quirks of her own family in a lighthearted way. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I it's attempted is, to be lighthearted. Anyway. Yeah. This is um. What's up? Uh, I think it's an Irish short. Um. Mm. But uh, well, director Joanna Quinn is is British. Okay. So I know that. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, she's just sort of relating sort of back how how twisted her own childhood was, but she's mm. presenting it in a very matter of fact and, way. So it's actually p- very kind of funny. And in particular, she's telling stories about her sister who, uh, who's who obsessed would, with death. Would, she would torture animals, and she would like she give like mess with the corpse of family then, members when she like stuck into rooms with them. Uh, and, but it's also and about she, how she taxidermied the family dog, yeah. like that kind of thing. But it's also about how. Because her sister, as awful as she was, uh, just committed to everything that she wanted to do, she's led a life that our protagonist sees as so gratifying. Yeah. Uh, uh, she no, she yeah. She, she, the protagonist sees like her sister as a success, mm. uh, whereas she doesn't. She, feel she, like has, a success, she doesn't feel a success yeah. at all, and so. She's trying to find success, and maybe she does by the end. But as much as I can appreciate that story, and as much as I like some of the animation here, um, I feel like it's trying to be repellent in some regards, and oh. it is too successful. Okay. And ultimately, I didn't enjoy watching it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Roald Dahl, that sort of propensity for uh, something that you think is going to be a light fable, but is actually really kind of grimy and, and really uncomforting, uh, uncomfortable. Do you ever see the Neil Jordan film, the butcher boy, uh, which is mm. about a, a young boy. His name is Frenzy Brady. And he's just a, a horrible shit, this little boy. <laughs> and about, you know, sort of all mm. of the, the bad things he did. And, uh, yeah. it's, you know, narrated in a very matter of fact fashion. So mm. there's a lot of filth in that movie too. Yeah. But this, this, this uh, is ultimately, it's, it, yeah. It, I feel like it's off-putting, and I think it's it's trying I, I to think, be. In, I think it's deliberately off-putting, but in, that doesn't. In, but in, that, I think that can be too much of a of a of a maybe not a good thing, but right. an intention thing. It's a, it's a little bit gross, but I think that's it, mm. it's you know not films don't have to be not gross. No, and I think there's something to be said for the idea of like oh the artist wanted it this way. That's fine. Um, they made a choice. I don't have to like it. <laughs> All right, that's, and this that's might this, fine. this might just simply be a matter of yeah. taste. But yeah, this one didn't do it for me. Yeah, a, it, 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 there's a lot of um, uh, Bill Plimpton in it yeah. because it's like hands sketched in yeah. a Bill Plimpton sort of way. It also deals very frankly with human bodies and nudity and yes. sexuality in a way that Bill Plimpton typically oh, also no, no, does. Oh, no, it uh, definitely has that vibe. Yeah, yeah there's a, a, a rather... Uh, I, I got to white, uh, watch these with my wife, and her comment on one particular scene is, this is why you don't buy bras online. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, the next short is a short called Beast, or Bestia. Be- Bestia, it's a Chilean short. It's a Chilean short. It is done in stop-motion animation. And it is about a woman uh, who has a dog. She and she's um, 
she's a porcelain doll. Yes. That the character. So she's not, very, not expressive. Yeah, uh, she's, big, she's holy white large, pale face. Shiny doesn't head, even have yeah. like dots for eyes. She's a porcelain doll. And uh, she lives with the dog. She raises her dog. She takes care of her dog. And then every day she goes to a house. Just some guy's house. Signs. With the dog. Signs in at the front desk. Goes into a room where someone is being tortured and lets the dog go. Uh, there is... This is an NC-17 movie. This is oh, like golly, a yes. deeply dark, graphic, fucked up movie about someone who does horrible things. And, uh, and, and wouldn't you know it, it's a true story. And here's the thing with this movie. <laughs> as much as I appreciate uh, the... It attempt to use animation, in particular stop motion animation with unexpressive figures, mm. to tell a story about a, a real life person uh, who was like a government agent uh, during a dictatorship in Chile, who was, was apparently a really she, horrible uh, human being. Yeah, she yeah. she was um, had a reputation as one of the chief torturers for Pinochet, and she would use her dog in these tortures. Mm. And um, the movie gives you none of that context. It's just the horror, yeah, and yeah. here's the pro- and that's and, a, and, and, and that's and a, it's, it's a horror movie. And it, but here, and, but and that's we, a problem. We, get to, we sort of we, we see into her headspace, and we see that she has like all these weird, violent fantasies, yeah, this and, Lynchian yeah. kind of yeah. uh, dream sequences. And I appreciate the style. I appreciate the horror. I don't appreciate being given no context, and I appreciate mm. that maybe audiences in Chile don't need it, mm. but ev- to the rest of us, all we're seeing is a horror movie. And we're not saying that this has genuine connection mm. to something specific because well, even the idea that she the, works uh, for the government uh, is vaguely implied at most. Yeah, well, that I, I in, in that sort of Claire Denis way, I love that yeah. they actually kind of obfuscated a lot of the details. You kind of, yeah, were gi- you, you were given all of the pieces by the end, though, and kind of <sighs> could figure it out. And here's where it actually does connect. It doesn't need that sort of historical context. It makes it more interesting when you realize this is like yeah. based on real life horrors. Agreed. But I think it still functions perfectly well as a horror movie because what we're keying into is sort of that banality of evil thing where right. a, a lot of the scenes are this little porcelain doll and a little porcelain yeah. house feeding her dog. The yeah. dog looks really sweet. Yeah. Uh, it's just this... Uh, the su- dog doesn't know it's doing anything wrong. S- sweet yeah. looking little German shepherd that is, you know, yeah. just a key instrument in committing these atrocities. Yeah. Um, and I think there's... There's pl- enough there to connect to. There's enough for yeah, uh, I just find for this this, char- this sort of like dark murderous character. Right, can be just a dark murderous character yeah, out of find, a horror movie. I find that empty without some sort of connection to mm. something else. I think yeah. if this was just well, we what get it, it, but we get into her headspace. Yeah, not, we understand we, the character a lot. We don't uh, understand a lot. We understand. <laughs> we understand like this is something she does not for herself, mm. and not necessarily just because the government tells her to do it. Um, but I don't think we get that much depth into it or anything. Uh, I honestly think that this movie is, if you without the cult, without the actual historical context of what's happening here, mm-hmm. I find this film frustratingly straightforward. Mm-hmm. And and so I would argue even and it's not superficial, but it comes across that way because there will be people watching this who will have no idea that this relates to anything. Mm-hmm. Who have no idea that this is actually. Well, it, but like, it doesn't it, have to. It's fine I, as a I, horror movie. I don't think it is fine as a horror movie. I think as if they give you remove that context, uh-huh. it feels empty and shocking for its own sake, and I don't find that very mm-hmm. interesting. No, me, and so I think it's just. I just think it's. We ran into this issue. With another animated film that was um, about uh, two children, hmm. and um, there was a big twist about one of the children towards the end, and 
they didn't like get into very much like what this was connecting to in a larger cultural fashion as a result of them lost a bit of its power. Mm. I, can't remember what, I think it was last year or the year before. And I think we're in this situation now where I just think the movie comes across as, uh, and again, we might not simply be the target demographic for it. Mm. The target demographic might be people who know this story well. But, you know, if if you're coming from a place where you've never heard of Jack the Ripper... Right. Maybe you should have some sense of why we made a movie about mm. that and understand like this is this is relevant. Yeah, I, and as a result, I just think I just think it's missing that piece. All right. I, I think I think its relevance uh is doesn't rich in does rich in the film a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh no matter whether you put that context in or not, it needs to function as sort of a, a story unto itself. And I don't think it's a and very I, good story unto itself. I, I and I think it is. I think okay. I think it's really Terrifying, and I think sort of exploring the mind of this dark character, whether or not we know they were a government agent, mm-hmm. a real life government agent, is still good filmmaking, and it has a lot of very striking images. There's mm-hmm. a, a, a faceless figure that's stalking the main character yeah. in this nightmarish sort of way. There's a lot of nightmare stuff in this. Uh, yeah, we see her dreams. There's, um, if you're familiar with the dream sequence in Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, there's something a lot like that, where she commits an act of violence and like keeps coming back to it in her dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then there's like rather suddenly a shocking image, and you're like, "Wait a minute! Did I just see something as horrible as I thought I did?" And it turns out, yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, and that you know instills a lot of uh, confusion and mystery and fear mm. in a very bracing eraserhead kind of way. Uh, I think more I got more going on, but yeah, I well, see your point. It's, it's a feature, but I, yeah. I see your point. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, the next film is Box Ballet. Uh, this is a Russian animated film about a boxer who falls in love with a ballerina. He is a big, muscly guy who lives some kind of bachelor-esque existence. And uh, she is a very lanky, uh, lithe ballet dancer. This is a hand-drawn, this animated yep. short. It's from Russia. And uh, and, yeah, uh, it, yeah. and it deals with, uh, it, with caricatures. So yeah, mm. the, the ballerina is very, very stick thin. The boxer looks like a hunk of meat, and yeah. um, and there's no dialogue. Uh, and we uh, we learn throughout uh, sort of the story where she is being courted by kind of creepy producer guy. Yeah, she's being sexually harassed, is what she's yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. She, her and boss the, is sexually harassing her, and, and uh, the, but she also uh, falls in with this boxer guy, and they end up having tea in her apartment one afternoon. Mm. He breaks her sugar bowl and repays her by getting her 50 pounds of sugar. Yeah, like a big, just uh, yeah. carrying it up the stairs like a, like he, like a giant sack of cement. Like he, he yeah. drops it at her door and leaves and then she opens the door. It's like, she's like this. How can I even a, carry that? Practically a stick <laughs> yeah. finger in this in this. But, the, but it was a sweet gesture. It was a sweet gesture. Literally. And even though the characters are yeah. facially expressive. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they look like caricatures. Yeah. Um, well, they are caricatures. We, we still, uh, we, we still get a lot of what their emotion Emotional yeah. communication is. Yeah, there, there's an extremity to the difference between the characters where the boxer and uh, a lot of other characters are portrayed in this very almost um, repugnant kind of way. Like mm-hmm. a lot of extremely exaggerated yeah. features and teeth mm-hmm. and bruises. And uh, and then there are the pretty people who are very, very thin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a bit of conflict and they end up together. And then right at the end, there's a bit of punctuation about uh, a, a little, a little kind of comes out of the blue. It's a little well, bizarre, and, it, but... and it's kind of ironic because, like, I was just talking about how there was a short where I was frustrated that we didn't get the political context needed to sort of make it uh-huh. valuable beyond 
superficial horror. Uh, and here they give you like this last little bit of context. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not sure that explains anything. <laughs> I'm not sure. How does that, what are we, what? And so I, I think the idea was just, oh, and, and now a new era has begun. And the, like pretty, pretty heavy handed way to do that. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not really needed. It's just sort of a yeah. good way to sort of put a button yeah. on the end of the movie. Um, um yeah, I, I don't hate this one. Mm-hmm. I don't think I find the style off-putting in, in a lot of ways. It, it I think, feels really. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to say it, but like typical, uh, like archetypal Oscar-nominated animated short. Yeah, you know, yeah, a lot, lot this, of extremity this, and this style. Style of animation, yeah. this type yeah. of a story feels yeah. like something I've. Even though I can't point to an antecedent, it feels like something I've seen before. No, it's it's it it doesn't. It's trying to get in your face, but it's ultimately it's it, the story is simple. Yeah, not that that's a bad thing, but it is. Yeah. Uh, and the attempts to elevate it through style are clumsy, and uh, ultimately it didn't leave much of an impression on me. And I don't have a lot to say about it other than I've seen worse, but I don't think it works. Uh, I, I think it works. I just think yeah. it's not terribly impressive. Right. Uh, the next short is uh, is from Artman Animation. It's the longest of the shorts, hmm. uh, and it is called Robin Robin. Which is about a Robin. Oh my god. Who robs. Uh, oh my god, it's it's Dear listener, it's so cute. It's just, this is one of the cutest it's, things you've ever seen. It's, uh, it's a stop motion animated short. Stop motion animated short by Ardman, but not in their usual plasticine style. No. They're working with like felt yeah. now. Uh, it's still stop motion, uh, but everything's like kind of fuzzy yeah. to the point where you wanna pet it. Yeah. And it's about a family of mice uh-huh. who find a robin egg. It hatches, and uh-huh. they raise the robin as one of their own. Yeah, the robin. The, it, ro- the robin has mouse ears. The it's robin, the cutest in, thing. in an effort to be more like its mouse family, like the robin wears mouse ears. Little tufted mouse ears. It's on one its of head. the cutest goddamn things. And they sing songs about how they sneak into houses uh-huh. and and just steal crumbs. Yeah. Just not, little, not, little bits not of trying things. to be jerks about it. We're just trying to survive here, but we have but, uh, to be. We're mice. We have to be very quiet. We have to be very stealthy. We are thieves, yeah, and the robin is is, is not is like, it's not like it's, it's not like a giant thing. It's it's a robin, but it's not built for sneaking, mm. and as a result, it messes up a lot. And it the mice never treat her badly. No, no they no. never say you're. A, it's not an ugly duckling story. Mm. Where people are mean. Like that's no, not about that. But she still feels like she's not part of the family. And so while everyone else, after she kind of ruins everything and people see that there's, you know, there have been mice in there and they have to run away. And, a human yeah. sees a mouse in the house. They, yeah. The mice know that that means either yeah. uh, mouse traps or a cat. Yeah, like something's going to happen. They actually have a map of the neighborhood and like oh, they have to They're cross off this house. Houses, and, yeah. <laughs> and so the robin is like, okay, while everyone's asleep, I'm going to go out. I'm going to lose all of these mouse things that I've learned. And I'm going to steal a feast for the family to prove myself and, and, to, make, and to make amends. And wouldn't you know it it's on christmas it's on it's christmas. christmas movie uh, it's on christmas uh the robin falls in with uh a magpie played by richard, played e. by richard grant. e grant yeah and a magpie of course is a, a is a bird a that hoarder, likes to hoard yeah. things like it steals shinies and the magpie is talking about how yes that's a human house you know I've always wanted to go in there and steal that big Christmas star, and the Robin's yeah, just like, "Well, let's do it." The magpie, the magpie's dream, uh, the Richard E. Grant wants to steal the star from the top of the tree because he thinks that Grant's wishes. He thinks yeah. that's why the humans worship it so. <laughs> and uh, so they, so they're gonna go in there. She's gonna try to steal food. He's gonna try to steal the star. And uh, along the way, they run afoul of a cat, uh, voiced by Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, and um, with and no, there's a, and there's a lot there's more action, going on. action sequences and mayhem throughout. It's, this a, th- is, it's a thirty minute short. This is a this if this was a Christmas special mm. that was on in the seventies and eighties, it would be a perennial. And I it would I, be on every and year, and everyone every, would love it. I think it has the makings to be a perennial. Yeah, uh, because of its Christmas. Most Christmas movies get a pass a lot of the time. Yeah, just because they're there's, genial and they're fine. They're genial and they're yeah. fun. Uh, you know, Hallmark has dump trucks worth of trash oh, that yeah. they put out every year. They put and, out uh, literally dozens of Christmas yeah. movies every fucking and, and, year, and they'll tie yeah. you down and they'll pour it right on your face. <laughs> and, and, and as much as and as much as I appreciate zoning out and watching something generically Christmassy, and I've celebrated that as a genre. Mm. Very few of them stand out. No, they're very they're, few of them become something I would watch every year. They're it's it's just this big, <laughs> yeah, sewer pipe yeah. of of Christmas mostly garbage. interchangeable pap. Yeah, uh, and uh, but a lot of people watch these movies anyway because of the Christmas theme and it's part of the warmth of the season. And it's all very yeah. traditional, so. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult to say what's going to become a Christmas perennial because yeah. people can attach themselves to even bad things. Well, it's also different uh, nowadays because it used to be things became Christmas perennials because they got a good enough ratings that they would air them every year. Mm. And now everything's on streaming and you can just sort of choose to watch it or not. And well, not, we're not necessarily all watching the same thing. Streaming caught on to this pretty quick. Mm. They'll only put their holiday stuff up around the holidays. Mostly. Uh, but regardless, they'll put it all out at the holidays so yeah. it's all available at the same it's time. It's all available at the same but it's only available at a certain time of year. But which my is, point is, is that, wise. But it's not appointment uh, viewing. It's not like everyone yeah. watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special last night. Everyone watched Rudolph You're last right, night. Right. Everyone watched The Night Before um, Emperor Christmas. No, 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 no. They're all available at the same time. No. You're not actually watching the same time and you might watch different specials every year because it doesn't matter what's actually getting the most ratings. It just matters which ones you liked, uh, which is fine, uh, but it's, you just can't keep track of what is currently the perennial that everyone I, enjoys. I feel like Disney and Pixar kind of lost themselves um, in cer- a certain kind of uh, short filmmaking mm. or, or just kids entertainment in general, where yeah. they, they steadily over the years ratcheted up the action. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember seeing a, a, sh- a Christmas short from uh, the, the Frozen characters. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's called yeah, yeah. Olaf's Holiday Adventure. I, Olaf's I saw that, yeah. Or something. yeah. Uh, o- Olaf was the snowman. Yes. Uh, and... That movie has like a, a chase down a mountain and a yeah. moment of peril and a big rescue. Robin Robin has those things as well, but it's about birds and a cat in very small settings. And well, I think it, Ardman it doesn't is able rush to bring... between set pieces. Exactly, it Ardman, earns them. Ardman has like it understands that these sort of climaxes sort of makes these shorts function mm-hmm. in a certain way, but also is reminded to keep these things a little bit calmer. Right. That it's not about being frantic and keeping a kid's attention. I think they understand that the cute animals mm-hmm. are going to be enough. So it actually is a little bit low-key when compared to other things uh, mm-hmm. sort of in, well, its, because, in its neighborhood. Because the drama... A little bit downbeat. Aside, and I appreciate from, that immensely. The drama, aside from you know the cat who might eat people... Uh, which is at the end. And it's a threat throughout, but it's at the end that it actually becomes relevant. Um, people care about each other. And that's something that Arben's really, really good about. They understand that, like, they, they don't. You don't need. I mean, Chicken Run had this, but like for the most part, you don't need like horrifying villains uh-huh. to make a movie work. You just you can just have nice people in situations that require effort and conflict, and uh, and uh, that's it. That's all you need. This movie is great. 
It, it's this movie so, is so wonderful. It, it's it's I think frustrating. it's the spot on to win just because I, it's like it's a spot on to win because it's the feels, most conventional narrative. Well, it's the sweet. It's the most emotionally touching. I it's, think yeah. it's it's frustrating that it's the most spot on to win because it is the most uh, flashy. Conventional. One, yeah. one that probably cost the most money. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's one from Netflix, all that kind of stuff. But it's also the one that feels totally complete, yeah, and it really yeah. does feel like everything about it works and. And, and, I like the, and I like the style, too. Yeah, it's really I'm, nice. I'm so used to Aardman with those sort of, like, elongated yeah. human faces with the, yeah, the, the, the big mouths and yeah. Yeah, the, the oversized hands, you know, the, yeah. the Wallace and Gromit, essentially. No, everything about this feels, like, kind of alive. Mm. You know, everything about it just feels very tactile and, like, uh, well, like and, you, and, can, you can be affected by the, its environment. Yeah. I think I, I really love stop motion animation, and I think for those reasons, it has this kind of human thumbprint on it, you can mm-hmm. see the crinkle of it. You can see a little bit of the flaws. And this is an incredibly slick movie, but because the character is made out of felt, there's going to be a little bit of that crinkle as they move around, mm-hmm. and that gives an animated film so much life. Yeah. Uh, and the last short. Yep. Uh, it's a Spanish American hey, short film called The Windshield Wiper. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the people who worked on this also worked on uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. And it's a series of seemingly disconnected vignettes. Um, a man goes into a a very Camus-like man, goes into like a, a, a coffee shop and orders an espresso. And he's just smoking and like he's, looking yeah, out the like, window. Um, I, he doesn't speak with a French accent, but he may as well. I am Bale today. My yeah. life is filled with Bale-dom. and uh, <laughs> So it has that vibe. And, and an yeah. off-screen voice asks him, what is love? Yeah. And we are taken through a series of vignettes mm-hmm. uh, of displays of love. We see mm. an elderly couple sitting on a bench. Yeah. We s- uh, just briefly. We yeah. see um, a, a homeless man yelling at a mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a kind of a love. Yeah. We see uh, an- in another very French uh, sort of move, this naked couple on a beach sharing a cigarette, mm-hmm. just looking out at the, at the, uh, the ocean. Yeah. And and we get and we sort of follow each of these, uh, yeah, these vignettes. Some of them are very very sweet. Some of them are very very shocking. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a, a a bit of self harm in one of the shorts that uh, yeah. I don't I don't want to allude to too deeply. But, yeah. Um, uh, and it's just sort of exploring uh, in this very abstract way through a lot of mm-hmm. kind of different but very similar looking animation styles. It's not like one stop motion, one CGI, but they all seem to be done by different artists exploring kind of what love is. And I, I think I can say that what the punchline is, the punchline is uh, we finally, finally cut back to that guy in the diner and his conclusion is love is a secret society. And I feel like I could share that because what uh, the fuck does that mean? It's such an <laughs> eye rolling moment. This is frustrating because there's clearly a lot of talent that went into yeah. making this. A lot of the animation is photorealistic mm. or interestingly stylized. Um, and I can admire that while still calling this uh, pretentious platform. <laughs> this is it's, such this a, this is a, is a... This is a college kid's short. I, uh, I, was, I was in college and I was, uh, you know, I was in film school. We had to make a series of short films depending on the... the we didn't always. Um, yeah. Screenwriting, we didn't make a short film. But cinematography class, we had to make yeah. a short film using only imagery, no, no audio. You know, we had, took an experimental film class. You had to make a, a film, re- et cetera. Re-edit something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and what we were told by one of our professors... Was every single year somebody, <laughs> at least one student, at least one student, either waits till the last minute or something falls through and they decide to just grab their camera, 
go out there, get a series of little vignettes of around the town, and try to connect them to a theme, and it always sucks. <laughs> and that's what I felt when I was watching The Windshield Wiper. You put in all of this effort to do this incredibly... By the, by the seat of your pants college it assignment. Just, it just feels like... And I get that you think you're after something profound. It doesn't feel profound. It feels incredibly superficial. It's just... And it's, even the like, question itself is insultingly... If, like portentous. Yeah. If I had seen this <laughs> yeah. at a college, I would be, would have been really impressed. Oh, if a college uh, student did yeah. this, I'd be like, "Wow, you're going someplace. I, uh, Learn how to tell a story better, and we're on to something." A, a, you know? I, I, I too, I took an animation class, and we had to yeah. make animated shorts. And uh, of course, at the end of the year, they'll show all of the shorts. Yeah, two or three are good, thirty are awful, and sure. uh, because we suck. And um, oh, because you're still learning, you're yeah, figuring out you're your figuring voice, trying out, to figure yeah. out. You're experimenting with things. You know, you're making yeah, so, mistakes. Um, it happens. One of them was uh, animation. It's like a, a slow animation of like. Roses crumbling, like, yeah. um, roses wilting, and it was all, uh, yeah. and it was her reading her own love poetry. It's yeah. like, and and I, and she used like she used the phrase "on my skin" like yeah. in every single poem. I felt you on my skin. Yeah. The rose was wilting on my skin, and by the end of it, you could like hear the suppressed laughter. It's like, yeah. and it's it was long. And, it was like fifteen minutes. I'm and sure I don't, I don't really, want to, yeah. No, it's, not about, of, it's not about insulting the person who yeah. made it. It's that you're trying to you're clearly trying to tell something that means something to yeah. you, but you don't seem to have the language to use. Uh, you, you don't seem to have the vocabulary right now. Uh, beyond some of the most obvious imagery, and yeah. as a well, result, also, it's hard to take it very seriously because we've when seen you're, it so much before. And it's when very, you're young, yeah. you don't have a, a lot of wisdom or life experience yeah. to sort of put into that kind of story that you're, yeah. you've seen in other movies. But yeah. now you're just sort of imitating what a movie said rather than yeah. telling what you that, feel. Sometimes I, I've said this before. And, uh, that's how I feel a bit about like Tommy Wiseau's The Room. It feels like someone <laughs> wrote poetry for the very first time, yeah. and they meant it, but they don't know what they're doing yet. No. And so this feels like there's so much skill that went into the animation, but in terms of what they're actually talking about, it's not very meaningful. In mm -hmm. fact, it, it, the idea of telling this story about this really generic thing, what is love, through a series yeah, of really... You know what? When Hathaway asked it, it was far deeper. Well, what I was thinking about, <laughs> thank you. But what I was thinking about actually was like, we're, we're going to take all of these, like we're just going to do a bunch of disparate love stories uh, based on a very simple premise. Mm. And we're going to do them in the most punchy way possible. And I'm like, I miss Gary Marshall right now. Like Valentine's Day <laughs> and New Year's Eve and Mother's Day. Artificial but like and... at least that embraced the artificiality. Yeah. Gary Marshall wasn't pretending to do something he wasn't no. here. And here it just it, it feels so I, damn phony. I, 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 I admit I have a bit of a weakness when it comes to a college kid's phoniness. Sure. Because I was that asshole. It's genuine. And... I'm not saying it's not genuine, yeah, it's, but it's the, genuine phoniness is still phony. The, the, er, the earnestness to tell something yeah. kind of deep, even though you, you've yeah. clearly bitten off more than you can chew, I think is kind of of admirable because well, that's if, why I kind of like the room. If you're not, if you're not over, if you're not overreaching, you're never going to reach something beyond. And I think that's uh, and, fair. I think that's think, totally yeah. fair. Yeah. And, and so, yes, I do think this film is overreaching a little bit and I think it doesn't come to a really satisfying conclusion, but I mm. at least admire it. It's not my favorite, Yeah. but I'm going to defend it. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So, uh, so those are the Oscar nominated shorts. Uh, once again, real fast, uh, what was your favorite, if you had to pick one, what was your favorite live action short film? Uh, my favorite of the live action shorts was uh, Please Hold. Yeah, same. Uh, science fiction short, just really, yeah. really well done. Uh, as for the documentaries, I did like When We Were Bullies. I think mm. that's um, 
a really fascinating tale from a perspective mm. we haven't seen in a lot of movies. Yeah. I liked most of the documentaries, but for me, The Queen of Basketball was yeah, kind of hands-on my favorite. Yeah, it kind of gives you if, everything. If it's not uh, When We Were Bullies, uh, then uh, Audible. Those are my two favorites. Okay. Um, and uh, for Best Animated Short Film, it's they both agree it's Robin Robin. 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 Yeah, con, I had con, problems con, with almost all the other ones. Yeah, I, I didn't have problems with them. I actually I, I liked the... the the visual variety. I liked the, the I appreciate that the, they came from all over the world. I appreciate um, variety. I appreciate yeah, variety. That's great. Yeah, I just think, I think other years have had stronger shorts overall. Yeah. Uh, last year we got a film in the animated short category called opera, which is one of the best films of the oh year. Oh my God. That uh, movie was great. Yeah, uh, that may be the only movie mm-hmm. that came out during the pandemic that I wish I could have seen on the big screen. Yeah. Where I'm like, cause yeah. that would have been nice, but like that one, it's, I'm like, I miss so much detail on the frame and to that see. Movie. Oh my God. God, that would have been gorgeous. Look up the, the Oscar-nominated short opera, oh, which is yeah. which tells the story of human civilization. All <laughs> of it, in a really short amount of time, yeah, too, because it's, it's all visually compressed. It's like a six-minute short. and oh. uh, But yeah, it's, it's it's this single unbroken shot where there's like Fucking hundreds incredible. of tiny little animated things going on all over I, this It should have won. It's, it's too weird to win. I get it, but it should have won. Yeah, it, it was really, really it's great. So, so there was nothing like... Yeah. Uh, like that. This year, it's Robin Robin, which is yeah. sort of like this... Sweet it, little kitty trifle, it, but it's so well told. But it's terrible. Yeah, it's you know, it's, well it's just it's just the, the best told story in the really, bunch. Really yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah. No, there's nothing that really kind of like punched through quite in that yeah. kind of way. I Bestie actually really kind of hit me in the gut a little okay. bit. I know you have a lot of issues. I didn't. With it, I didn't. But, uh, I think it's almost there, but I think it's right. missing stuff. But yeah, I, I think yeah. it's just a good horror movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So those are the Oscar nominated shorts. Again, those are available uh, in a variety of places. So please see you can Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, thank you for joining us. We hope this has been illuminating for you. We know a lot of people don't have time to watch the shorts, don't know about them, or uh, don't have you know the opportunity to check them out. But hopefully, we've given you something to work with so that when those awards are given off camera, uh-huh. you'll know what they're talking about. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back soon with uh, a proper episode of Critically Acclaimed. We're going to review some new release theatrical films, including The Batman. And or or Fre- a, a Batman, well, anyway. One of the Batman. Uh, Fresh, uh, uh, After Yang, maybe a couple others. Uh, so stick around for that. And, of course, other shows are coming back around. Again, uh, our schedules have been kind of shifting lately and this is a weird week but this this is all due to my new job and still working some shifts in my old job and yeah it's been really just difficult to sort of find time to record that doesn't mean we're deliberately neglecting it's just no no no. it's it's just been rough and uh, we apologize we're trying to put out as much stuff as we can uh so again we're going back to it that's the plan uh, so uh, yeah, stick around. We got some cool stuff coming here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Head on over to our Patreon if you want to get more stuff. We got shows about the Oscars, Batman. Uh, we, we have a show where we uh, do every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. It's called Only the Best. It's at our five dollar tier. Um, you can also vote for future episodes of our shows. A lot of cool stuff over there. Thank you to every single one of our patrons, without whom the show would not exist. If you want to talk about anything we discussed on this episode, you're more than welcome to email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. You can also send us a snail mail, Mm. if you would prefer. Just write it on a snail. Send it to us. Don't do that. Snails don't like it. Uh, But uh, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, Send it to uh, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, and yes, in case you're wondering, I do have a soap store. Uh, If you go to Etsy.com slash shop. Don't say. (laughs) Shop or shops. Hell with that. Go to our social media. At Salt Cat Soap. It's on Instagram, it's on Twitter, and Facebook. We have links to the soap that is handcrafted mostly by my partner, M. Lapis Da Silva. Some of it by me. 
I uh, recently did a new batch of my shave bars, which smell mm. like espresso and honey. They lather up real nice. You can shave with them. It's great. But we also just uh, introduced a Vampire Hours bar, which is caffeinated, and a Ooh. relaxing massage bar. Those okay. are our new releases for March. So head on over to Salt Cat Soap on social media, all one word, or you can look for us on Etsy. We have a lot of soaps there. Thank you to everybody who's already tried the soaps. means a lot to us. The reviews have been really, really great so far, and that's really exciting. So um, that's it. That's it for now. Thank you very much. And never forget, everyone's a critic of short films. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?